snap. Josh handles it. Back to throw. Pocket collapsing. Fires a deep one downfield. Looking for Gabe Davis. Makes the catch at midfield. He's going to sail into the end zone. Gabe Davis at the 20. At the 10. Touchdown. Holy mackerel. 98 yards. Touchdown. Gabe Davis on third and 10 at their own two. That's the way to start. Holy mackerel. Looks downfield. Going to throw it. Sets up deep. Throwing deep. Looks downfield for Gabe Davis again. He makes a one on the catch. Goes into the end zone. Touchdown, Buffalo. Holy mackerel. They did it again. 62 yards. Gabe Davis made a spectacular one-handed catch. He was in a hand fight all the way down the field. Makes a handoff. Fires to Diggs. Makes the catch in the end zone. Touchdown, Buffalo. Just like that. Just like that. How businesslike can they be? A simple strike to Stephon Diggs on a little slant to the left side. Yet another Buffalo passing touchdown. Lost one right down the middle. This one is caught by Shakir at the three. Heads into the end zone. Yet another Buffalo touchdown. Khalil Shakir gets into the act. A 24-yard lofted pass from Josh Allen. He beat Josh Jackson, who had just signed to their roster yesterday. That's almost too easy, Eric. Snap to pick it. Back to throw. Fires one down the left side. Picked off. Intercepted by Kair Elam. At the Buffalo Bills 43-yard line, he goes right down there. Deontay Johnson, the intended target, and he touched it down. Snap, and they give it to James Cook. The rookie finds a big hole. Right side, cuts back, and back to left side, and he sails into the end zone. Touchdown, James Cook, 24-yard touchdown run. He went right, he cut back left, and there was nobody in front of him. All right, your Toshiba game rewind right out of the gate after a scintillating week five walloping of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Toshiba, the official copier company of the Buffalo Bills. Welcome to a Buffalo Victory Football Monday. We saw the 14-point spread going into this game. We had a little trepidation knowing how Mike Tomlin can get his team up for games of that nature in the past. Steve, this is not the Steelers of even two seasons ago. This is a bad football team all the way around. I don't want to take anything away from the Bills' performance. It was masterful in every way, shape, or form. There were some hiccups along the way that Coach McDermott addressed post-game that do need to be cleaned up, uh, mostly on offense with some miscues and a couple of special teams issues with the wind. Beyond that, though, a resounding victory uh, and – Good momentum heading into Kansas City week. Yeah, that's not the that's not a typical Steelers team, and it's obvious they're going to be down this year. Um, I'll say this: I like Kenny Pickett. Yeah, had a nice I've been telling everybody, we've been, we, you know, obviously I've been talking about the game all all yesterday and all day today, and you know, into the last night. Um, I like him. I, I yeah, he was drafted right where he needed to be, right mm-hmm. in the first round. I'm not saying he's a, he's not going to take some time to develop he's ready but for he doesn't have NFL, much around him yeah he's ready for nfl games yes um it's not too big for him no he seems poised he had 50 he, starts in college he knows what it takes to be an nfl quarterback or seems to know what it's going to take um standing in the pocket you got to win from the pocket ultimately certainly your legs can help you in certain situations but you got to win from the pocket he's his offensive line is atrocious did not play well yesterday uh, his running game is, and for that reason, his running game isn't what it is. You said it. Najee Harris is not a breakaway back. He's a pludger. You know, he's pludges, he trudges along and he's plum, pummels your defense a little bit. Yeah. He's a short yardage back. His pludger, pl- pludger, pludger is plodding and, plodding and, and trudging at the same yes. time. Yes. You're, I'm gonna you're go like with my that. wife. She makes up words. I'm going to go with that. Um, 
point made. Uh, he's so he's by himself. Pickett is a little bit. Yeah, and I mean he defense, has some receiving talent. There, there's some receiving talent there to use. I mean Pickens sure. is a nice young player, and he played well. He, and Deontay he, Johnson made some great plays. And I'll say this too about Pickett. He knew who was working. He went right at Kyrie Elam one on one, and he was he making was some hay. On in the he first was half. making some hay, and I, that's a sign of a young quarterback who says, "Listen, I got something working. I ain't going away from it until you stop it." Yeah. And finally, you know, Elam gets him. Um, so it, I like that. That's a that's what I see in Pittsburgh. Mike Tomlin's working with he's he's trying to make chicken salad. Yeah. And he doesn't have a lot of ingredients. Right. And he's. You know he's got this young quarterback. He's trying to protect and develop, and that's that's the story of the of the season for them right now. Yeah. Now it might evolve away from this if Pickett gets some help and their offensive line gels a little bit, or they get a guy who plugs in who makes a big difference for them on the offensive line or something like that. Their wide receiver, like you said, their wide receivers are are good enough yeah. to to win games. So, nevertheless, a 14 point spread coming into the game, I was like, I don't know. Because I figured, you know, they'd do something. They'd get some turnovers and all that, but their well, secondary is de- decrepit. And plus, you're fresh off two straight games where the Bills were in very tight contests, so you're not really reminded of the, quick the ability with which they can blow opponents out. And you and I just did a podcast on how through the first month of the season, the Bills have been sacrificing their explosiveness on offense for the sake of efficiency, due in part to how defenses are playing them, you know, with the right. cover two shell and all of that stuff. Um, and people are like, well, what happened yesterday? Well, the reason the Bills were so explosive on offense, I think, had more to do with what the Steelers were incapable of as a defense. They have no pass rush. I mean, it is not even recognizable. The, think about this, Steve. Without T.J. Watt, they're Since T.J. Watt was drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2017 – the Steelers have led the league in sacks every year. 2017, 18, 19, 20, 21. Five years in a row they have led the league in sacks. That And, and he's a big part of that, obviously. Um, but they've had other people that chip in there. And I don't, know, I don't know what's going on now, but they got nobody. They, they got nobody. Over the course of his career... TJ, the, the Steelers have failed to win a game when he's out of the line. They're 0-8 now. They're 0-8. He doesn't miss many games over the course of five years, but he, they're 0-8. Yeah, and he's going to miss a couple of more weeks because it came out over the weekend that he also got his knee scoped. So he's going to miss like two more Actually, games. Oh, I heard, I heard just the yeah, I heard they did the scope because it would not add time to his rehab oh, of his okay. Pack, it was so. originally reported by some of the national reporters for NFL Network that he might miss another game or two yeah. because of it. But the reason right. they did the knee now was because they knew it would be it would be back quicker than the okay. pack would so be. Okay, so it didn't add any time. Didn't add well, any that's time. good for yeah. them. So it was and then the move. second thing is, you know, people are like, ah, this, this Bills offense, did they just scheme guys open? They were running open everywhere yesterday. Well, the reason why was because by the time you got to the second quarter, the Steelers, who entered the game without one of their top two corners – Lost Levi Wallace to a concussion, who was their fourth corner, and then lost Cameron Sutton, their second corner, to a hamstring injury. He re-aggravated it. So <laughs> for three, almost three quarters of that game yesterday, the Steelers were using cornerbacks five, six, and seven. The practice squad elevation on Saturday was playing at left cornerback for the second half yeah, of that game. The only guy in there was Minka Fitzpatrick. 
They and just could not measure he up. He can't cover up that much. Kim could not, and he's not healthy either. Yeah, he left last week's so, game late with uh, a knee injury. So uh, they're dragging themselves out there to play. They were supremely shorthanded, and the and the fact of it is, they don't have the same kind of roster depth that we've witnessed from the Bills the last three weeks when they've had to plug guys into the starting lineup because of injury. Right. That's why people believe that top to bottom, the Bills have the best roster in football. And their ability to win, despite an attrition rate that's been alarming through the first five weeks of the season, quite frankly, is amazing. It is amazing. That's, I think that's the real story. That might be the story, the first five weeks yeah. this year for the Bills. Yeah, I think it's the Winning story Winning the despite the losses in injuries. They have, um, they've endured, because it's different than where they've been in years past. They're, they're going four and one for the fourth year in a row. Yeah. And... The other three years, they were spotless on their injury list. And this year, yesterday they had, what, nine starters out or thereabouts from the beginning of the season. He had Poyer, Hyde, um, and the rest, Knox. Well, Edmonds. Edmonds. Yeah, the list went on and on. So, um, it's yeah, that's the story that the Bills roster is such. And I know that they talk, they spoke about it on the broadcast yesterday, Tony Romo and Jim Nance, about the what Brandon Bean has built here, their ability to keep the door or the window open. This you know this window everybody talks about your window for winning the Super Bowl, keeping it open uh, for the foreseeable future uh, is pretty. I think that's the story for the franchise that they've done it in a way that. People have not done it before. Yeah. Think about the Rams right now. They went all in last year. They got their Super Bowl title. Look at them now. They don't have an offensive line that can do anything. Granted, they've had injuries too, but they don't have the roster depth that the Bills do because they They mortgage the future with high-priced contracts. And, yes, they've shed some of that because Odell Beckham Jr. is not there anymore. Neither is Von Miller. Neither is Sebastian Joseph Day, who's in, in the Chargers organization now. But they're up against it, and they don't have the depth to support the quality of play on the field from their primetime players who they've paid boatloads of money. And, and they're struggling right now. Uh, they lost another game yesterday to, to a very good Dallas defense as Cooper Rush continues to impress. Um, that's a whole other story down there. But, yeah, so the bills ability to still win football games despite an alarming rate of attrition due to injury it might be the headline of the year so far for this team um as far as the performance yesterday by some of those guys who did step in Tyrell Dotson what a game yeah 11 what tackles what a game yesterday he was all over the joint 11 tackles one for loss he also had a sack when he chased a pick it out of bounds for a 3 yard loss those count as sacks. Uh, just a, a really, really solid performance. And I know you and I had suspected that it would be Dotson against a Pittsburgh offense, you know, that has a big power back. You want a sturdier, thicker guy in there, and Dotson kind of yeah. fit that bill. It, I'm going to be very curious to see if Edmonds isn't ready to go this week, if it's going to be Dotson or if they're going to elect to go coverage, better coverage skills, and use Terrell Bernard. Bernard came into that game in the fourth quarter, filled in for Matt Milano, got 25 snaps. So that'll be something we'll be talking about later in the week. If it doesn't look like Edmonds will be ready to return from a hamstring injury, we'll know more when the Wednesday injury report comes out. You know, if you have to go, you know, into your depth again, 
Do you go Dotson against a high-flying Chiefs offense, or do you go the coverage, the guy with better coverage range, I guess, would be the best way to put it. I'm not trying to indicate that Dodson isn't an athlete. He most certainly is. Um, but Bernard, he's got sideline to sideline range. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, he's a little faster and a little more nimble um, in coverage. So that you'd think, and we said it this week, although it didn't come to fruition, that they were going to get healthier, most notably Ed Oliver and Jordan Phillips up front. Phillips had to come out of the game. That didn't look too serious. It looked You could tell when he re-injured his hamstring. I, I'm taking it for granted that he re-injured his hamstring. Oh, it's yeah. what it, it was right? listed as a hamstring, and it's so got to be the same one. It's, so he stopped immediately and just got off the field, knew his day was done. And I think, and I, it's a, no question it was a setback. We'll see how long it lasts. Uh, but it's not good. Um, you, I wouldn't expect him this week. I wouldn't either. And – he maybe for the depending on how big a setback it was we'll see about the the Packer game in two weeks three weeks after the bye yeah I think after the bye he's got a shot at that but I if you have to wait an extra week to be sure it's going to hold up to the rigors of football especially down there in the trenches where you don't have recurrence of injury because what happens is when you pull it or you strain it again you reopen that muscle, it's bleeding internally. That's what happens when you pull a muscle. And the scar tissue has to kind of Start redouble again. all over again. Start again. And scar tissue is not a great yeah. thing because it compromises the flexibility of the muscle. And because scar tissue doesn't stretch, it right. just so scars over. My point, yeah, my point was that at times we thought, and they are at certain spots, getting healthier, yeah. like on the D-line. Um, now, then you lose. Then what happens? Edmonds, Knox, out. McKenzie, out. And it's like, what? You know, so you may be getting healthier at spots, but that doesn't make you immune to having it happen to other parts of your roster, which is what the Bills are going through now. Um, you know, will they be healthier against Kansas City? It seems so because there is really no, aside from Phillips, I'm trying to think of who. Oh, who not, got injured yeah, yesterday? Who got injured yesterday? And I don't think. I think they came out of it anybody. pretty clean. Um, the scariest part about the entire day was Josh Allen taking it on a quarterback power around the left end and got slammed. And it looked like his head was a ping pong ball off the off the turf. And I was like, I was worried. I thought, oh man, that because it it looked worse to me than the Tua tackle by Milano two yeah. weeks ago. And he got up and was nice. And then the next throw he made was over the top of Steph Diggs. And, and I was him. like, uh-oh, he's not, you know. You were but, worried. But then, for me, I saw him. He ran to Diggs, and they started talking about what he was seeing and what he expected Diggs to do. And then I felt a little bit better about the whole scenario. So, obviously, no ill effects for Josh as he comes out of the game 100%. And, but that's where they're at. They don't seem to be escaping injuries like they have in the last three years. No telling if it's going to continue, get worse, or stay the same, well, or guys are going to get healthy. Who knows? Yesterday was pretty good, all things considered, with the way the first four weeks have gone. No, they Phillips is hopefully the your only issue. It. The Steelers were not no, up they to were it not. yesterday. They were not. So they, I mean, that should have been. If you'd known yes, if you knew today, yesterday what you know today, none of those guys play. It could have been fifty-five to three, Steve. They left seventeen points on the table. Could have been fifty-five flat out. to three. Josh missed another throw on the just like the one to McKenzie in Miami, where he threw it into the dirt. He did the exact same thing to Steph Diggs again. Same spot, same corner, the whole thing. 
and then of course the missed the blocked field goal by yeah. Tyler Bass. You yeah. never see that coming. And then they fumble it going into the end zone on a short yardage play. That's all that's seven. But Quentin points. Morris. That's seventeen points off of, on top of thirty eight they already did score. That's a 55-point day. Yep. What should have been. Yeah. And I'll say this. If, he, if Josh Allen hits the shovel pass to Quentin Morris and he gets in and he hits the pass to Diggs, that's six touchdowns. Yep. See, that, here's the thing. We all got this thing about Josh being the MVP. That's the kind of game you need. Those kind of games put you over there. Now, this game was going to help. I mean, yeah. a 98-yard touchdown pass. I mean, played three okay. quarters and threw for 420-something yards. Think about it. That He is – He had 20 completions. <laughs> I know. And it was 424 yards. Ten, 20 completions. Ten, ten, listen to this. Of the, of the offensive plays they ran, they averaged 10 yards a play. 10.22, to be exact. Over 10 yards every time Mitch Morris gave Josh Allen the ball, it's 10.2 yards a play. It set a team record. Previous high was 9.3 in the season finale in Seattle in 2000. I was at that game. It was a a three-play three scoring drive, a two-play scoring drive, a one-play scoring drive. That 10.22 yards per play average is the third highest in NFL history in a game. All right, they're so, playing pretty good offensively. Uh, speaking of high averages, Gabe Davis <laughs> shattered the team record for <laughs> yards per catch in a game. <laughs> 57 yards per catch. <laughs> I can't even say it. Is it like minimum of what? He averaged 57 <laughs> yards. Isn't there some per <laughs> reception? Isn't there some? It's just laughable. Isn't there some kind of minimum catch? Face. Like he had, well, he had, he only he had, had three, three catches. catches for a buck seventy-one. <laughs> think Two about touchdowns. Steve. So just think about this for a second. Long okay? of ninety-eight. Think about this for All just right, one second. If Gabe Davis doesn't play yesterday, you're going to look at the receiver stat sheet and you're going to be like, "How about that Khalil Shakir? He averaged twenty-five yards a catch, but it doesn't even register on the radar because Gabe averaged fifty-seven. <laughs> I still can't say it. <laughs> Straight face. The picture of the year. Let me yards. say this: If you haven't seen it, if you can't go on social media and look for this, there's a picture on social media where Josh at the, he throws the ball, gets whacked, and he's on his back. He didn't see Gabe catch it. He gets up, sees Gabe running by himself down the field. He turns around and flexes to the crowd, to the tunnel end of the end zone crowd. He's like facing away from the field. They take a picture of him from behind from inside the end zone end line. So they're looking at Josh's face. And in the background, you see the scoreboard. Gabe Davis is still on the 20-yard line. He's yeah, not even running. scoring, and Josh is flexing. <laughs> it is absolutely spectacular. It's like the LeBron James picture Dwayne Wade, with Dwayne yeah. Wade, where Dwayne Wade has got his arms out running under the basket, and LeBron's behind him tomahawking yeah. the slam dunk. It is exactly like that. It is an, it is the picture of the year. It is unbelievable. and. I, you didn't really think about it at the time, but Josh got hit in the mouth right on, on that yeah, play. Yeah, he took a shot on that, and he went down, and he got. It was, and they were off to the races. It, I, I was like, oh my gosh, it's going to be another one of those games like in the opening opening day of last year. They come out, they, they muff the opening kickoff, and they get it on their two yard line. Well, and then they overcome it. Then they come out again. They punt it. Shakir, Shakir can't get the ball. 
He muffs it. it. He doesn't feel the punt. It goes down two-yard line again. They get a field goal blocked. I mean, the special team struggled. They get a field goal blocked. And then, I, unbelievably, Saran, Neal, who, who's really good, stone hands a punt from Sam Martin who bounces high inside the five-yard line. All he got to do is catch it. And he drops it, kicks it into the end zone. Now they get the ball in the 20 instead of yeah. the five or the two or the one. Special teams struggled yesterday. Mm. Struggled yesterday. Not schematic, well, except for the – I think the kick was low when it came off Bass's yeah. foot. But, you but and the, I were talking you know, it's about individual that. plays. I mean, Shakir's got to feel the – he's got to feel the punt when it's coming down. And then, of course, um, you know, Taiwan Jones has got to – you know, it's the opening kickoff, bro. you got to field it. So, those are individual plays. It wasn't really a schematic thing that got him. Yeah, so, you and I were – Mm. Talking about the Bass field goal, it's 49 yards into a stiff wind. I mean, the streamers on the top of the uprights were blowing straight at him. Yeah. So I think he felt he had to really drive the ball into that wind. We've seen balls drop like they hit a wall five yards in front of those uprights before uh, on windy days. And I think Bass knew he really had to put a little extra on it. The problem is when you do that as a kicker, you inadvertently lower the trajectory of the kick by driving the ball you know, with your laces. So when you do that, you can fall victim to it getting blocked. And if you look at the height of that ball when it reaches the line of scrimmage, it may be six inches above the player's helmets. I mean, it was ripe to be blocked. So I'm sure he'll work on that going forward. His only two misses this year, Steve, have been blocks. One in Miami and the one yesterday. Right. Um, let's talk about the rookies for a second. The draft class with a nice showing yesterday. Khalil Shakir, three catches, 75 yards. Also had a nice return for 33 yards up the left sideline and got his first touchdown of his career. James Cook comes in in the fourth quarter. Nice improvisation on a cutback run away from the flow of the play and then weaves his way through the secondary for, what was that, a 24-yard touchdown? 24-yard, yeah. And Kair Elam, who was getting picked on for most of the first half by Kenny Pickett, picks a pass off on a miscommunication between Pickett and his intended receiver and comes up with his first career interception. Those three guys, they're going to be helping this team an awful lot come the second half of the season. Yeah, and it's, it's, I think Shakir is going to get a lot more time on the field and may even challenge McKenzie for that full-time role in the slot. Well, not and think about future. this. With the guys struggling to field kicks, Shakir being one of them, and then the other one being Tywan Jones and whoever else they had out there, McKenzie's good at it. So you might bring him back, put him back there, returning kicks, put Shakir in at slot and let him trade places. You know what I mean? Uh, then you don't have to mess that much with your roster. Tanner Gentry got on the field a little bit yesterday. Josh mentioned him in his postgame. Hodgins had a nice day with um, four catches for 41 yards, long of 26. Played well. He's got to feel good for him. Um we mentioned Dodson and Dodson stepping in. Jaquan Johnson stepping in. Demar Hamlin, second-year player, playing extremely well back mm -hmm. there. So they feel good. They got to feel good about the guys there that are, you know, the depth of the squad. You know, you just think, man, they really have built a really solid football team, and they continue to do it every. They refurbish it every year. Yeah, I think if you look back at it. This, this thing that they do a lot of, they sign all these guys to these one-year deals. Good money, nice money for these guys for a one-year deal, and they bet, let them bet on themselves. So they get highly motivated players. We've talked about it a yep. lot. The, the, 
the thing that's amazing, Brownie, is they find really good players and do every year. They well, refurbish more of their roster with think, important players than anybody else. I think more importantly, they, they know how to find self-motivated players. Players where you're not going to be wondering, am I going to get out of this guy what I got out of the guy who's number one on the depth chart? Am I going to get the same thing right. from him? Now, so you have self-motivated players that you add to your roster. So you look for that within their character makeup. And then you pair that with a coaching staff that is the best player development coaching staff I've seen since maybe your head coach's days. And that's a recipe for keeping the performance on the field strong, even if the health of your roster is not. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what we are witnessing exactly. right now. And it's even better. It's even, it works even the same way that even when these guys are forced to play because of injury or whatever – when they get out there, they continue to get better. The next, their week two game is better than their week one game. Their week three game is better than their week two game. They yep. just continue to get better. And, and of course, when they play more, they get better faster. Demar Hamlin and Jaquan Johnson, perfect example. Those guys can go. They're, they played very yeah. well yesterday. Now, it was a rookie quarterback and all, you know, all that stuff. And they're playing behind a front that Poyer and Hyde have, haven't played behind for three or four years. This front's different. With Vaughn, Phillips, Ed, Rousseau, Boogie Basham, Epinesa, those guys are really getting it done up front, and that helps them. But they have they have played starting quality football. The game was not without a little WWE at the end. Shaq Lawson hits Kenny Pickett low, which technically is roughing the passer these days. It was not called, but Pickett took issue with it. His knee did bend awkwardly when Shaq hit him around the ankle and took umbrage to that hit and got into it with Shaq and then linemen piled in to protect their quarterback, you know, as you would expect a team to do. And then A.J. Epinesa, after the initial brouhaha had subsided, was grabbed by head referee John Hussey. And I don't know if A.J. realized it was the official grabbing him. He thought it might have been a player from the Steelers, and he tried to shrug. Oh, he slapped him off. Tried to shrug him off, and he elbowed the ref. Yeah. And as you well know, Steve, as soon as you make contact with an official. They're really sensitive about that. You're going to get ejected. Uh, And that's what happened. He had his back to the official. The official grabbed a hold of him, and A.J. swiped him off with his left arm hard. And – Got a piece of him, yeah. and he did. And Hussey was mad. Oh, he was hot. He was hot, and I was like, "Dude, what are you?" <laughs> yeah, did, he did. I, I like, get has it. Has your day really been that difficult? I get it. <laughs> but if if a player was really doing that to you, the last thing you want to do is like call. You know, you know what I mean. Here's the thing: if he really thought AJ Epinesa was going to get a, a physically aggressive with him, he wouldn't be. He wouldn't have a chance to take his hat off and throw it at him. He'd be dead. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, he, the, the, he, AJ thought he was somebody else. He thought he was one of the players. He's still in the scrum. So, but Hussey was mad. Oh my gosh, was he mad? And he was like, rah, 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 like he was so, you know, it was kind of a self righteous moment for him. And AJ Epinesa was like, eh. he didn't even. He didn't even so here's <laughs> the irony. It's like, what are you doing? So I saw, I was coming down the tunnel to get ready for post game when all that had occurred. So I see Shaq coming up the tunnel. He didn't get ejected from the game. He yeah, was he not left. officially disqualified. No, he wasn't. He Only... just ran up the tunnel. 
Um, and then AJ followed him. Well, see, here's and the thing. he was shrugging his shoulders. He didn't know why he got tossed, but he must not know the rule. You bump an official, you're going to get ejected. That you're done, yeah. And that's but Sh- Shaq didn't get thrown out, and the, and the, the yeah, telltale sign taken from a guy who knows. You, <laughs> you have to get escorted out. Right. Somebody's got to walk out. You've got to you got to leave, and they got to make yeah. sure you leave. So yeah. the club always has some you know one of their guys yeah. walk you up, which is what happened to AJ. Yeah. And but Shaq just walked out. Yeah, he just went up. I, and I think you, he assumed he got ejected too, because he's thinking, "Well, if they ejected AJ, they certainly well, ejected me." Anytime <laughs> they you didn't. Anytime you throw a punch, or take a swipe, open-handed or close-handed, uh, whether you make contact or not, it's an automatic ejection. I didn't see Shaq do that. I saw I him grab a face mask. I didn't mask. see it, but down inside, in the in the scrum, he probably did it. Oh, you think he did? Or thinks that's why he got thrown out anyway because of the whole thing because of whatever yeah um so listen to this yeah. i saw this tweeted and I'm, i wish i could remember who did it i want to say it's nfl networks tom pelicero but i'm not sure john hussey has now ejected two players in each of the last two weeks and he has five player ejections this season <laughs> this is <that's, laughs> he's just he's like a baseball umpire man you're out of here you're you're out <laughs> just sending guys to the showers left and right. Uh, you know, John Hussey, I, look out. He's got the big thumb and he's tossing you. Maybe this doesn't make sense to a lot of people because I, I get asked about it all the time because I got thrown out of my last game. I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with, you know, having a high standard uh, for hey, player it's behavior. it's all about decorum. Me being a yeah, be, me being a five nine, less than two hundred pound athlete, yeah, keep those big guys away from me if they're mad, right? So you throw them out. But I don't have a problem with that. The problem, you know, I the problem I have is when they're inconsistent with it, and yeah. that's I think that's what most players and coaches are. If you're gonna call it this way, just call it that way all the time. That's fine. Call it whatever you want. If you want, if a guy sneezes when he's down in his three-point stance and you throw him out, well, that's fine, but just call it that way all the time. doesn't matter. Just make the rules whatever you want. I don't. Ca- nobody cares. Just call them the same game to game. Like the Tom Brady roughing the passer yesterday. The whole league and all the media are all up in arms about it because it was a bad call, and, and it was a bad call. It shouldn't have been called, and it cost Atlanta a game. Yes, it did. It cost the Atlanta Falcons a game, and it cost them first place in the NFC South. Yep. Well, welcome to the club. Mm-hmm. You know, every Everybody's team, every team, can, every team's had it happen to him. And I'm not belittling it, or but it's just like okay. And I, you got all these guys. Peter King, our friend Peter King, said, "Hey, the league can't afford too many days like this." Oh well, you know what? <laughs> I have, think they can. They have more. And than let me think. tell you something. They're going to happen again. It's going to happen again. It's going to happen this year, where somebody will make a call. It'll be at least borderline, if not blatantly wrong. It'll cost somebody a chance to win the game, or it'll give somebody a chance to win the game, and they will because of it. And it happened again this year. Yeah. So, and it was Tom Brady, so we all just like turn, you know, your insides it makes you sick. Yeah, you want to eye roll right all the way. But it's the way it is, man. I, I yeah, I, I feel bad for AJ getting tossed. Yeah, NFL Network's Tom Pelissero did say that Epinesa isn't expected to be suspended. It'll be reviewed for a possible fine, along with the rest of the incidents late in that game Listen, against Listen, AJ Steelers. was not the most egregious. Somebody had a hold foul. of Shaq's face mask and right. was pulling on it for a good 15 seconds. Right. Like, 
that's dangerous in a, in a melee. You're pulling the guy's head straight down like this from behind. That's like that's dangerous. You can mess somebody's neck up really fast doing yeah. that. Yeah, it's um, it's rough in there. It's not and good. It, it's rough and. Yeah, so if A.J. Epinesa gets fined, which I don't think he will because of the nature of what he was doing when he did it and all that. And, yeah, and it wasn't the way it malicious. Happened. And then the other guys in the melee don't get fined? Yeah, that's, that's, that should not happen. In my opinion, it shouldn't happen. Right. Well, we'll see what comes of it. We'll see if any FedEx packages arrive on Thursdays. That's usually the day that yeah. players Plus, get notified of yeah. fines that they are incurring. These these games happen when, you know, it's 38 to 3. Yeah. Got the and the Steelers have got a lot of pride and rightfully so. That stuff's going to happen. We have to take a break here, but plenty more coming your way and we're also interested in taking your biggest takeaways from the Steelers loss to the Bills to the tune of 38 to 3. So if you have any primary thoughts about the performance yesterday, please share them with us, 803-0550, or on the tweet sheet at One Bills Live. Plenty more coming your way, including the run game showing signs of life and the run defense pretty dang good yesterday. We'll get into that when we return here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Hey, Bills fans, this week's game sponsor when the Bills visit the Chiefs is Gabe's Collision. Gabe's Collision has been family-owned and operated since 1964, featuring three convenient full-service collision centers with on-site rental cars throughout western New York. Each facility carries various manufacturer certifications, state-of-the-art technology, and the most highly trained professionals statewide. Seamless, efficient, pristine craftsmanship. Get back in the game with Gabe's Collision, the official auto collision repair center of the Buffalo Bills. All right, we got to get back to this game yesterday, Bills-Steelers. And let's talk a little bit about the run game and the run defense. Steve, we know last week was kind of a unique challenge for the Bills' run defense with Lamar Jackson. And they gave up 162 yards on the ground to the Ravens. Won the football game. But this week, back to what we've seen for the most part this season. In five games, the Bills have now held their opponents to under 60 yards rushing in three of them. The run defense looks like it's got staying power. Yeah, it does. And, and the reason being, they've got, they're deep. They, they got a lot, some big bodies down inside that are playing well. And yesterday is no exception. Plus, Steelers don't run it well, which helps. Yeah, their line's not very good. Yeah, that helps. And, um, I don't know that the Dolphins ran it all that well. Um, you know, you just it, some of that goes into even at this early stage yeah. of the season, you're getting to the point where you look at did the did a good teams, job against the Titans, but they did a nice job against the Tennessee Titans, and the Rams didn't really attempt to run it very much. They threw it sixty times, so we'll see. But I, I think it gets to the point where they are so sometimes this Bills defensive line overmatch overpowers the O line once in a while and they get some penetration and the team just says, Listen, we ain't banging our head against that wall. Yeah. We are not getting it done. There so are, we're gonna do something else. There are going to be some interesting challenges for the run defense later on this season. Cleveland, okay, they know how to run the football. 
New England. Ramondre Stevenson went off yesterday in a 29-0 win for the Patriots over the Lions. Mm-hmm. He went off, uh, and they can run the ball. And then the other team that I might put in that equation as well is the Packers, if they ever decide to commit to the run a little bit more. They're late in that game against the Giants in London yesterday, Steve, and they're down in the red zone, the low red zone, and they just put it in Aaron's hands four straight times. And I understand why, back-to-back MVP and all that, but you don't run it even once. Right. You got Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. There's a couple other teams on that list on the Bills' schedule now that you're thinking, oh, okay, maybe they are running the Jets. Yeah, Jets are run. Brees Hall is Brees a beast. Brees Hall is a beast. And, and Michael Carter is not a bad pass-catching, you know, right. late third-down guy either. And you got those guys twice coming and up. And you got New England twice. And I'll tell you this. I know Cincinnati took it on the chin last night, but Mixon can go. He is yep. a really good running back, and they like to run it. Uh, using him so they they are going to run into some teams that are at least committed to trying to run the football and they've shown some ability to do it on a regular basis i can't believe i'm saying that about the jets i, hey almost, cho- I almost choked on it i but had, i had the jets at seven wins this year i'm, I'm you keep I'm, saying that. i'm confident yeah i think they could get there you got 12 games left they only got to win four Yeah, I know. They only got to win four, Steve. I hear you. Let's just come on. They're going to beat the Bears. They they can beat the the Broncos. The Jets have the Packers this week. That's probably not a win. Then the (laughs) all right, but then they got the Broncos. They could beat that team even on the road. New England and the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I mean that's they hate that's an over. They get up for New England. They're going to get up for us too. Well, yeah, but they're not beating the Bills. Come on. All right. But their defense. The Patriots, the Bills, the bye, the Patriots. Yeah. You think they can split one of those games? I think think they could split with New England. I don't think they could. You don't think they could? I don't think so. I think the New England Patriots will film their practices, steal their game plan, and pirate their defensive signals. (laughs) So it's going to be hard uh, to beat them. Their defense. But listen, then they have the Bears and Vikings. Subsequent years, they're going to beat the Bears. Their defense is coming along here, Steve. They'll I'm beat the Bears, you. and I think they can beat the Vikings too, as good as the Vikings are playing. Maybe. And then they, they get, you know, you get the Lions, the Lions, Jacksonville, C, the Seahawks, and the Miami Dolphins. Okay, so yeah, and they're and they're doing it a little shorthanded. Too they're on three offense. and two. Yeah, Bruce they're, Lee. They're in second place in the AFC East, man. I'm telling you, I think they can get to seven. I think they could do it. Oh, I think I think they will get to seven. Yeah. I said that at the beginning of the year. Fi- you looked at me like I had of, ten heads. I think they're gonna. <laughs> I think they're gonna find a way to to get there. How about Michael Carter after scoring, trolling Jalen Waddle? He's doing his Waddle touchdown celebration in the end zone. Oh, <laughs> the gauntlet has been. Laid <laughs> I'm just gonna say this, Steve. The Dolphins deserve everything that's been handed to them in the last two weeks. They yeah. deserve it all. Yeah. Tyreek Hill in a walking boot. It's really. Starting your, not starting, but having to play your third string rookie quarterback. After what? Was it one snap offensively? You deserve all of it. I. For for doing what you did to your starting quarterback in week three, putting him back in the game. You deserve all the karma that is coming your way. I have a hard time disagreeing with that. And, And their fans are. 
annoying. Annoying. Less. <laughs> well, I mean, even more so now than the Patriot fans are. At least they're they're quiet for the time being. Some traction for the Bills. Run I get game. it. They beat the Bills, yeah. so they were they were all feeling it. But man, oh man, this is probably artificially inflated to some degree. But the run game finds some traction yesterday. I thought the blocking execution was better in the run game yesterday, which allowed some of those run plays to pop. Yeah. They're, and they're not going I – mean, if there's one thing that the Steelers do still have, it's a pretty good run front. It's not great, but anytime you got Tyson Alualu and Cameron Hayward in there, I mean, you got something. The, uh, the, the schemes they were running yesterday, and, and Romo alluded to it, they were doing the pin and pull thing where you had, like, at one point you had Mitch Morris and Ryan Bates – pulling out and leading a sweep around the right end kind of thing. So they were getting out in front, and the fact that they were getting out there and, and making some really nice blocks was the difference in that running game. They were just getting it done. Now, I don't know whether they haven't been doing that very much. I can't even think about you know the schemes they've been running of late, but they were executing those run plays. And if you do that, sure, the running back can find, run to daylight. It'll be interesting to see how they see their running back stable developing. I, Zach Moss coming out of the Bills' own end zone after the down punt on the two-yard line had a lot of room, comes out around the corner, and just absolutely went down, fell. Yeah. He just tripped. That was his only carry of the game, seven yards. I get it. I mean, so – and then, you know, James Cook comes in, and he's starting to make some hay. So yep. we'll see how that – if that continues to evolve. But there's no question the lead dog is Devin Singletary, and I don't think that's going to change. Singletary with six carries for 42 yards. Cook with four for 31. Zach Moss, one for seven. Josh Allen had five carries for 42 yards. The long of the day was Cook's 24-yard run in the fourth quarter. Singletary had a 23-yard long, and Josh had a 21-yard run. Um Quickly, if you look at the big plays in this game alone, Steve, just to show you the difference between what the Bills' offense is capable of right now and Pittsburgh, longest plays for the Bills. I'll give you their top five longest plays. 98-yard touchdown, 62-yard touchdown, both to Davis. Then the 41-yard pass to Diggs. The 38-yard run by Singletary, which got penalized. Or had a, it counts as a 38 yard run because it was a 23 yard run and a 15 yard personal foul penalty. And then the 31 yard pass from Allen to Shakir at the beginning of the game on the first drive or on the second possession, sorry. Those are your top five plays 98, 62, 41, 38, 31. Those are big. They were all longer than the Steelers' longest play from scrimmage, which was 29 yards, picket to pickens. Mm-hmm. Then they had. Two other plays of 20 yards or more, that was it. Steelers are in a dark place right now, and with Tomlin at the helm, they'll find their way out of it, but I don't know if it's going to happen for them this year. I really don't. They're just they're too shorthanded. They're too beat up. They don't have roster depth. It's going to be a long season for them. Right. But Pickett I, is a, could be a bright spot for them going forward because it looks like he's got the goods. We, we have to take a break here, but your phone calls are next, 803-0550, here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All 
right, welcome back. Time for Triple Red 7's hottest plays of the game, presented by the New York Lottery. We're going to go a little touchdown happy here, starting with the 98-yarder, Allen to Davis, Steve. Yeah, play of the weekend, third and 10, is it? Yes, it was. Third and 10, and boom, diggity. Allen throws it, gets hit, stands, has time to stand up, flex to the crowd while Gabe Davis is still running it in. That was a, that is a stress reliever for a lot of Bills fans. You get that quick touchdown. It's like, oh, okay, now yeah, we, we got a little bit. Now. We can breathe. Then the second one, the second one, it happened again. Yarder. Josh Allen dropping back, throwing over the top. Gabe Davis. Now listen, I I got us. I missed this one. You didn't see it. I had my. I was. You know what oh, I was doing? In the bathroom. I was getting a cup of coffee. Oh my god. And I. Turn around, and everybody's ah, crowd's going yeah, crazy. I had it. my back to the TV, even. I go, wait, what happened? And I saw him at the very end backing up out of the end zone with the ball in his hand. I go, oh, nice. I had no idea the one-handed catch and the fight with Minka Fitzpatrick, which I – tip your hat to Gabe Davis because Minka Fitzpatrick can play. He's yeah. probably their best defensive player right now. He's got his arm right in there. Just Gabe's move. got both hands and just won't let it go. Wrestles Minka, it away. Minka just can't get it. Last get one, leverage. the rookie, Khalil Shakir, 24-yard score. This was nice because Shakir inside on a cluster formation on the right. He takes an inside release, comes all the way across the formation, and he leaks out the backside, and there's nobody over there. No safety help, no nothing, and Josh just lops it out there. And that was the – if you if you think about the play, Josh put a little bit of air underneath it. Almost and, a little too much. Yeah, almost a little too much. Because he had to wait on it. Um, and it would have been nice for uh, to be another yard and a half maybe ahead of where Shakir caught it. But, man, oh, man, just gets over the top of the DB, and Shakir walks in. Three great throws, three great plays. Yep, those the are your – 31 to 3 at the half. Those are your triple red sevens hottest plays of the game presented by the New York Lottery. So, Steve, uh, I was talking to Gabe Davis in the locker room after, and he said he knew before the snap that he could get, he could out leverage the safety because he thought where the safety was aligned pre snap, he could get inside of Levi Wallace and out leverage the safety if Josh put the ball in the right place. And that's right. exactly what happened because the safety help came way too, too late, late for Levi. The, the safety got caught looking at the crossing or the underneath route and the in, or the inside route and just had his shoulders a little too flat to the line of scrimmage, didn't open his hips to run with Gabe at all. Yeah. And by then it was too late. And, you know, I mean, Gabe Davis isn't Isaiah McKenzie or Tyreek Hill or any of those guys. But when you lose your leverage like that, you're done. Yeah. Gabe Davis at a full gallop, and the ball was right on the money. Let's go to the phones at 803-0550, and we lead off today with Judy in Buffalo. What do you got for us, Judy? <clears throat> Three things. You know, invariably, uh, Lamar Jackson is uh, compared to Josh Allen. And invariably, Lamar Jackson seems to come out as the better player. Well, if you watch the Ravens game yesterday – he had three or two wide receivers open, uh, well open, and overthrew them by, by five yards each. Yep. Second, uh, every time I watch the Kansas City Chiefs, I, I see that there's something very peculiar about Patrick Mahomes' helmet. Am I just imagining this? Third, you know, last week you were talking about um, leg cramps. I found any time I have a leg cramp, I immediately get up, put pressure on that one leg, and, and the pain dissipates, dissipates immediately. Yeah. 
That's all. All right, Judy. Appreciate the uh, advice as well as the observations. I will say this. Your point on Lamar Jackson is 100% bang on. I watched that game. I watched the overthrows. Lamar Jackson is a supremely talented quarterback. He doesn't come close to the consistency that Josh has on the field within the scope of the passing game. And dare I say, there are times where Lamar Jackson is not clutch. On a gotta-have-it play, he doesn't have it sometimes. I'll, I'll say this. Point I, blank, period. I don't want to kill Lamar Jackson because of last night's game. Certainly he missed on a couple of deep throws on a couple of deep throws that it's like oh wow you can't miss those Steve they win the game they won the game and it'll get poo-pooed a little bit in the media but he missed some guys last night that were wide open but let's not forget the quarterback here in Buffalo did that yesterday too he did so but not not usually when the game's on the line when the game's on the line make that you can say that but I'm taking 17 every single time over Lamar Jackson because I'm going to say this Justin Tucker has won more games for the Baltimore Ravens than Lamar Jackson has. And why? It's because Lamar Jackson can't make the play on the field and they have to go to the kicker. That's why. Justin Tucker has won more games than Lamar Jackson has for the Baltimore Ravens. I'm just saying. Well, Justin Tucker. Most accurate kicker in the history of football. He's won more games than a lot of quarterbacks in the league. So, yes, you're right. He's a special talent. And and I'll I'll give granted you, granted, Lamar and comparing Lamar and Josh is a little bit apples to oranges. Baltimore's offense is not Buffalo's offense. But I'll say this, and I'm I've got no love loss for the Ravens, or I'm not here to you know pump up Lamar's tires. The guy can really play. Yes, and they've structured their offense around him to accentuate what he does, which is a lot of it is the run game and his own run game and his ability to throw it. And I will say this too. Yes, he is not as good a thrower of the football from the pocket as Josh Allen is. But he's still good, and he's better than a lot of other guys in the better league than we've most. seen. And he's getting better. Now, last night, you can say what you want. They got away with him not being his best, but he is getting better at that. But I, I would agree with Judy. Lamar and Josh are different guys. They both win a lot of games. And, I, and I, we've said it before, too. I, I think you're right, Brownie. When push comes to shove, Josh, Josh has been clutch. In big moments is when he's his best. He's a gamer, yeah. Rises to the occasion for sure. Uh, and thanks, Judy, on the cramp advice. We, yeah. uh, Steve and I have had too many to count, and I generally agree with you. Get up on your feet, stretch it out as quickly as you can by putting pressure and, on that leg where it's occurring. And I'll say this, too, about Mahomes' helmet. <laughs> oh, yeah, we forgot about Mahomes' uh, helmet. They have a different he, choice of helmets. Yes. his hel- There's a bunch of helmets these guys can make, and every year you see a different style and a different type and a, a guy with a helmet that looks different than everybody else's and all of that. Uh, every team has a variety of different helmets. I don't see anything vastly different in Mahomes' helmet. I think the way he straps his chin strap on, it positions the back of the helmet a little bit higher yeah, than most. I think you're right. I, I th- think it's based on how tightly he has his chin strap on and it kind of lurches the helmet forward a little bit almost. Yeah, he keeps he keeps the helmet strapped like where the opening of the face mask guys look through. Sometimes it, it sneaks up because the, as the helmet goes backward on your head like a like a skull cap. If you and you pull it down like a baseball cap over your eyes, like the hel- that's how he straps his on. Yeah, and I think that keeps the vision of the face mask where it's supposed to be. It gives him more vision. Yeah, so. But you're right. That's that's all I see. His helmet style and the 
I'm sure a lot of guys wear it, but the way he straps it on might be a hair different. Break time for us here because to begin hour number two, we get our weekly visit from resident Bills Mafia member at the NFL Network, Michael Robinson. He's joining us next with his thought. He was tweeting like a banshee yesterday about Josh Allen. We'll get his thoughts on the game next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Presented by Kaleida Health. Hour number two on a Buffalo football victory Monday. And if uh, the first hour wasn't enough for you, boy, do we have a treat for you in hour number two. Our weekly visit from resident Bills Mafia member at the NFL Network, one Michael Robinson, who was tweeting like a nutball yesterday as balls were flying (laughs) through the air with the greatest of ease. Michael Robinson, how does 400 total net yards sound to you at halftime? Oh, man, guys, first of all, what a great Sunday. Glad to be on today. Uh, And all Bills Mafia, please stand up. 400 passing yards almost in one half. I I was over here telling my son, we were both watching the game. I'm like, like, son, Josh Allen's an alien. And then Tony Romo must have been reading my tweets because he said that as well, that Josh Allen is an alien. And I'm like, Burton, he's going to throw for 800 yards in a game. Like, it was a clinic, and then with the with the conditions, the the wind blowing, and and you can say that the Pittsburgh Steelers weren't that great of a team. They were, they are an NFL team, and allowed somebody to throw the ball for almost 400 yards in a half. It was an unbelievable performance. He only threw the ball. He only had 20 completions, and in those 20 completions, over 400 yards passing. I was so impressed about the explosive passes that Josh Allen and this offense put on tape because we we already know who we're playing next week, the Kansas City Chiefs, but they need to put those explosive passes on tape so that when the safeties are playing this deep, playing this offense, they don't creep down and crowd that run game. They, they Those explosive plays provide space for this offense, and I'm so glad they put it on tape, guys, because they look scary. What did you make of the young players for the Bills like the uh... – Khalil Shakir, uh, James Cook, even even um, Kair Elam, who was getting picked on by Kenny Pickett um, and Pickens, coming up with a big interception. Also, Isaiah Hodgins catching uh, uh, you know some balls as well for a touchdown. What did you think about the young guys who were forced into action at the skill positions who came in and contributed? Uh, it was it was a, such a great day for Josh to be explosive in the passing game because of what it did was it allowed the score to kind of get out of hand and allowed a lot of the young guys to get in the game and play. Some some other young guys you guys did mention, Jaquan Johnson at safety, eight tackles. DeMar Hamlin at safety, eight tackles. I mean, I mean 10 tackles. Those guys needed these reps. Obviously, they're taking the place of a Micah Hyde and a Jordan Poirier who – 
together may be the best tandem of safeties in the National Football League. Those guys are banged up. And you know Leslie Frazier and this defensive staff, they need these guys to, to have the uh, experience because later on in the season, they're going to be able to call on this experience that they're getting in games like this. But I thought they were sure tacklers. They were in the right spot. And especially DeMar Hamlin. I mean, when he got down in the box and when he was in the box as the in-the-box safety, he was a playmaker. He made plays. He actually, um, um, as the free hitter, he made a lot of tackles. So you also mentioned Khalil uh, Shakir. I, I actually think that his development is vital and paramount for this offense because as teams have to worry about Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis, Gabe Davis, oh man, three catches over 170 something yards. Wow. Um, as teams have to worry about those guys, it's going to be the third and fourth receiver that again, later on in the season that are going to win games. So to see him catching passes across the middle, to see him catching some explosive passes definitely gave this offense some confidence that they can face any defense and go up against any matchup that a defense presents. Yeah, I was joking with Steve like on most days, we'd be commenting on the fact that Shakir averaged 25 yards of reception. The problem is Gabe Davis averaged 57 yards of catch, and it doesn't even <laughs> register on the radar. Um, but Shakir, Michael, he demonstrated, even in training camp, a, a, a route savviness that you don't often see out of a rookie receiver. He just has this feel Everything is so smooth, and, and it looks very easy. He's like a silky kind of route runner, um, knows what to do with it after the catch as well. He just seems wise beyond his years. High football IQ kind of stuff from him. Um, I'm wondering where this goes going forward. McKenzie presumably should be out of concussion protocol this week. But I, I don't know. It just seems like Shakir's offensive skill set offers more diverse options than, say, McKenzie, whose game is largely predicated on pure speed. I'm not saying take McKenzie out of the lineup, but I think Shakir offers you some diversity that you can insert into this passing game going forward. Great insight there because, again, as this season goes on, as more tape comes out on this Buffalo Bills offense, teams are going to adjust. And when you talk about Shakir ha having that, that that savviness that that just feel for the slot position um guys are either born with that or they aren't that's not something that's developed that's not something that you can tell a wide receiver coach to go out there and teach a guy to have that type of type of a feel and i believe based off of the the type of run game that we run here uh in buffalo with, with ken dorsey's offense and the fact that you have a big strong arm quarterback like a josh allen everything starts with his right arm there isn't a there isn't an environment that he can't throw the football in. So when you talk about having more uh, skill, more wide receivers, more diversity and skill set out there on the perimeter, you're just basically saying uh, it's just more opportunity to get the ball out of Josh Allen's hands and more opportunity for this offense to have answers again to whatever defense it, that, that presents itself to itself. What do you think this the depth that they've displayed at all these places where they've been injured, the offensive line in Miami, uh, the defensive secondary throughout. Tyrell uh, Dodson yesterday. The yeah, the linebacking mm -hmm. core, the defensive line. I mean, every gr position group has been tested. The tight end yesterday with Knox being out and Quentin Morris going in. All right, so you find all this out about how, how deep you are and how great you're seeing that. What does that mean, though, when you're going in to play the Kansas City Chiefs and you just, you know, you got to have your roster together? Does it help you? Um, or do you just go – if your starters are healthy, they just go back in and those guys go back to the bench. Does it give you some ideas about 
other things you can expand your offense into or your defensive calls into to help you win this game this week. Absolutely. Again, when you talk about giving these young guys and guys that don't have that much experience, getting them these reps and then these guys having success like those young defensive backs having success, that just tells the defensive uh, staff, look, we have no problems putting these guys in the game against the Kansas City Chiefs, against a Patrick Mahomes when the game is on the line, because they're going to call on those experiences later on. You see what I'm saying? And yes, when the starters come back, yes, you insert the starters back in. But obviously, when you have uh, uh, guys that present a certain skill set, you want to put your best 11 on the field. And I remember Pete Carroll telling me this when we were going through our Super Bowl run. He's like, Mike, when I coach this team, obviously, you know, you're, you're coaching everybody, but you don't coach the top guys. You're really talking to the lowest guys on your roster. You're really talking to the 52nd, 53rd uh, guy on your roster because you're only as stronger as the weakest guy on your roster so again at the end of the day you want these guys to have this experiential knowledge because they're going to be able to call on it later on and Brandon Bean man great job great job I mean yes we've encountered some injuries yes we've encountered some adversity but you're finding out so much more about your roster by going through the adversity and you're so you're also so happening to win games at the same time that's definitely a plus all right mike let's jump into your wheelhouse a little bit and talk about buffalo's run game which got some traction yeah. yesterday uh coach referenced this after the game specifically but he thought the blocking assignments were better executed on a more consistent level yesterday it kind of allowed some runs to get out of the gate a little bit most notably James Cook at the end of the game, who kind of used a little improv once he got to the second level and just outraced people to the end zone. That's something we have not seen to a great degree from the running back contingent that this team has had the last couple of years. It was an element that we thought Cook could bring to the group. We witnessed it yesterday. What does that do to a coaching staff's mindset going forward when they see a guy not only have the juice to get through the hole, but to turn it into a touchdown. How much does that impact an offensive play caller going forward? Yeah, I mean, it, it just, again, it gives the play offensive play caller the confidence to know to give the kid the ball in crucial situations. And it tells the offensive play caller, look, maybe I should figure out ways to get the ball in this kid's hands a little bit more. And I thought the run game came along a little bit more yesterday because of the explosive passes. Guys, when, when a defense walks up, to the Buffalo Bills and they see Josh Allen, they see Steph Diggs, they see all the speed, they see the offensive line, they see everything. The first thing they're going to think about is, I have to stop that big, strong arm Superman of a quarterback from beating me deep. He can actually throw the ball over our head. That's exactly what happened um, in the Pittsburgh Steelers game. He was throwing the ball over the safety's head. And the safety's supposed to be the, the deepest of the deepest. He's throwing it over their head. So there really isn't a spot on the football field that he can't hit. So when a defense first walks up to the line, they have to guard against that. And when you put those explosive plays on tape, those 79 yard, you know, 70 yard yard touchdowns by Gabe Davis and the big explosives by Steph Diggs and everybody else, safeties, instead of sitting at about 10 to 12 yards, now they sit at about 15 to 19 to 20 yards just so that they can have enough depth to be able to get back so that Josh Allen doesn't throw the ball over their head. Well, when they're sitting at 15 to 20 yards, that's the natural space needed in the run game because the box count is going to be there because they're scared to get outnumbered on in the passing game. The box count is going to always be there to run the football. 
That's where the space comes in. That's where the run game comes in because those safeties have to guard against the pass before they trigger and get into the box and stop the run. So I think what's happening with, with, with Ken Dorsey right now, he's exploring a lot of different things. He's getting his, his run game going. He's obviously the first priority is getting Josh Allen going in each game plan, but he's creating doubt in defense's minds, right? He's creating some things that they have to prepare for each and every week. And obviously the run game came um, last week. What do you think is the is something that the Bills could put in their offense or accentuate more of? You've seen a little of like, you know, the Josh Allen run game or the or the handoff run game or the the RPOs, yeah, the, RPO. the deep pass, the screen game. Is there anything that you have seen of the Bills offense so far this year that you wish you'd see more of? Um two and maybe this is the running back in me, but two tailbacks in the game. Um with, with with some of those with some of those speedy wide receivers on the game in the game as well i'd like to see a little bit more 10 personnel no tight ends all wide receivers and just let this thing go um obviously i'm a running back i come from a running backs mentality and a and and running the football but you also have to see how your team is built and when you have a, when you got one of those guys you guys hear me talk about it each and every week because it starts with the quarterback position when you have one of those guys one of those four or five guys walking this planet that can will a team to a win with his arm, with his abilities, with his eyes, everything that this kid is all about. You have to get him going. The offense starts there. I think we're also seeing with Russell Wilson in Denver, he needed a running game. He needs defense. He needs a creative play caller. It's not just him. I believe Josh Allen is one of those guys where, yeah, it, it starts with him. You have to get him going. And so if I can put both of those running backs on the field at the same time, um, if you, you you get James Cook, a speedy guy, a speedy guy that's that, that's tough to tackle in space. You you get a you, you get a motor De, Devin Singletary in space again. Another guy that's tough to tackle along with that speed. How do you stop it? Because again, you can just throw a flat to these guys, and and yeah, you may know they're getting the football, but the defense still has to have a physical encounter with them, which is pretty tough to take those guys down. So I would go a little bit more pony personnel mm. and ten personnel. Those are two. Uh, personnel I'd like to see give me a some bit 20 more. give me yeah. some 20 forget about the tight ends there altogether. you go give me some 20 personnel um <laughs> last one we got for you Mike you know that there was a benefit here getting up on the scoreboard so much Josh Allen's wearing a ball cap along with a bunch of other starters that got to sit for the fourth quarter and rest up for the Chiefs the Chiefs don't play until tonight they've got a division tilt with a Raiders team that absolutely hates them Steve and I personally are hoping for a very physical matchup between those two yep. teams. But being a former player, let's talk about one less day of rest for the Chiefs coming off a game tonight combined with the Bills being able to rest the balance of their starters for the fourth quarter in the game yesterday. What's the cumulative effect there in terms of the Bills coming into this one fresh? Well, all right, I'm going to be a player for you guys for a second. I'm going to put on my player hat, not my analyst hat, not my fan hat, but my player hat. We don't care about that. Okay. <laughs> we're going in here. We're preparing like we're going to get the Super Bowl version of the Kansas City Chiefs. We're preparing like they've had two weeks off. We're preparing like they're going to give us any and everything that they can. 
right? We let the fans talk about the cumulative effect and the fact that if this is a physical game, because I believe that the uh, Las Vegas Raiders should get the run game going, so they should beat the Kansas City Chiefs up up front, maybe give some cut blocks to Chris Jones and, and, and gotten guys like that so it can slow them down from rushing the passer next week. Let the fans talk about that type of stuff. But as a player, oh no, we're, we're preparing for the best version of the Kansas City Chiefs. We're preparing for the best version of Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, and, and we're preparing for the best version of everything the defense Defense, everything going into next week, and I, and that's how you want it. You want the you want the best version of the Kansas City Chiefs because you don't want any doubt in their minds when they take that L next week. Mike Robinson, thanks for coming on with us, man. It's good <laughs> seeing you again after a win. Absolutely, man. I'll talk to you guys next week after next week's win. Right. Sounds good. All right, Michael Robinson <laughs> joining us here from NFL Network, your resident Bills Mafia member, who was uh, all too happy about yesterday's victory. And now, Steve, I know I mentioned this to you. Uh, before the break, but I decided to look it up anyway. <laughs> to no one's surprise, because the Bills, as of this week, are ranked as the number two scoring offense in football and the number one team in points allowed on defense. So it's no surprise they are leading the league in point differential, just as they did last year. But the margin already <laughs> is sizable. I saw it. The Bills are number one in the league in point differential at plus 91. Nice. What's the, the next, second place? <laughs> the next two closest teams are the San Francisco 49ers, who have a great defense also, and the Philadelphia Eagles, the only unbeaten team left in football. They are at plus 47. Almost half, yeah, half. of the point differential that the Bills have put up through five games. And the Bills aren't exactly going through a soft part of their schedule. I think to a man or a woman, most of us thought, the first seven games were the most challenging part of Buffalo's schedule, and here they are at 4-1 and one, and a plus 91-point differential after five games, and they still have only given up seven points yeah. in the second half and, this year. And I know a lot of us believe that if it had been 85 instead of 105 in Miami, they'd be 5-0, and oh, Yeah, and they'd, their point differential would be even bigger. Yeah. Um, but you don't get to make those choices, and you got to go on with what you go on with. And and this game against Kansas City, uh, point different. You're going to have to beat Kansas, as we all know, watching the Chiefs play. You're got to be firing on all cylinders. That means offensively, all your all your guns got to be blazing, and defensively, the same thing. You got to make some plays against these guys. You got to get up on them with uh, double up on your possessions. You got to get some turnovers. And you got to be efficient and score points on them um, because it's it's really hard to go into Kansas City and beat those guys. Bills have done it. They did it week five last week last year. Beat them by eighteen. Um, but you got to you got to fire on all cylinders to get that done, and it's it's hard to do as as Bill fans well know. Bills fans well know. Uh, one interesting note that we're going to have to keep an eye on injury wise for the Chiefs is to their kicker. Harrison Butker, he's one of the better Chiefs, uh, better Chiefs, one of the better kickers in the league. He has been out since week one when the turf, I believe it was Arizona, the turf in Ar the grass in Arizona's stadium, he slipped, his, his plant foot slipped uh, on a kickoff in week one. And he's been nursing that injury ever since, and they've been shuffling through kickers. They had Matt Amendola as the fill-in kicker. They cut him after a couple of weeks. They have Matthew Wright now 
as their kicker in place of Butker. He's going to kick again tonight because Butker is still not ready. Um, they want to make sure that Butker is completely 100%. I'm going to give you a quote from Kansas City Chiefs special teams coordinator Dave Taub, who's one of the best in the business. He said, quote, he tried to go last week, but he was working on one-step kicks. He wants to have his full approach to the ball. He doesn't want to use a half approach, and I don't blame him. He still has a lot of pain, and he's got swelling in that ankle. It was evidently a little bit worse than what you think. Everybody heals differently. It's just going to take time to get him back. Obviously, we want a full 100% Butker. Like I said before, we've got a long season to go, so we'll be happy when he's 100%. We don't want to try to force him back and then all of a sudden get some regression. So we're going to really have to keep a close eye on the injury report because if this winds up being a close game, like the divisional playoff last week or last year between the Chiefs and the Bills, right. the kicking game could be a gigantic part of it, yeah. and they may not have their number one kicker. You can't take anything for granted in these games, and that's why, you know, that's why all these guys, I mean, we watch these injury reports. I mean, they, the Bills, you know, with Knox out, with McKenzie out, with all these guys dropping out um, that are starters – you kind of blow off the kickers, you know, and the specialists and the, and the periphery guys when you're talking about it. And I'm, can you, you know, something happened to Justin. It, it, something happened to Justin Tucker for the Ravens. They're a 500 ball club. That's why I said he's won more games than Lamar Jackson has. He had them. a 61 yarder last night. Yeah, this was during the game. Did you see his reaction after he kicked it? He's like looking at the sidelines, like, yeah, that's me. There, I, I am him. Yeah, I'm that guy. Thanks for thanks, 91. Thanks for stopping by. 91.2% career kicker. I mean, he's far and away. Like and wait, he's almost not it. He's 8% over better. 96% in the fourth, fourth quarter, quarter in overtime. Yeah, I 96. Think I think he's got a streak right now, too, doesn't he? 50, How many consecutive? Wait, he did 51 in the fourth or quarter. 52 in the fourth quarter. Consecutive. Consecutive. The guy don't miss. Stupid. It is, he's stupid good. Yeah, that guy is really good. Really good. He is special. And he sings opera in four different languages. Who knew? Um, I, I did know that, actually. He's a trained opera singer. Like, if his kicking exploits don't do enough. Uh, truly amazing. All right. We are going to take a break here because uh, when we come back, we will be open and ready for any and all of your phone calls. So we want to give you full opportunity to weigh in on your biggest takeaways from the Bills' 38-3 win over the Steelers. So if you're holding at 803-0550, stay right where you are. We'll get to you next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collada Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you here on a Bills Victory Monday. Time for us, though, to go around the locker room here, and then we'll get to your phone calls. Around the locker room, presented by Connect Life, your blood and organ donor network. And we begin with head coach Sean McDermott on the depth on this player roster, rising to the occasion against the Steelers. It takes two. It takes the player and it takes the coach uh, to get him ready to go and, and – uh, whether it was Shakir, I'm going to leave some names out. Uh, Shakir, Isaiah Hodgins out there, Tanner Gentry, 
um, uh, Q Morris out there making some making some plays. I thought the line did a good job. I know I'm jumping around here topic wise, but the line did a good job running the foot, helping us run the football. I thought that was uh, we had better detail today in in the run game. And um, but my hat goes off to the offensive line. I know uh, what, that they've been working hard and got a lot of confidence in those guys. And defensively, um, you know, just good to uh, stand up when we needed to stand up and um, had the turnover. A chance to go up, I think, early 10 points maybe or something like that. And and uh, defense had to come back out and force a three and out. We did that. So um, a lot to learn from, some good things, obviously. And I guess I left out the defensive guys. Uh, Tyrell Dodson that stepped in there and did a good job and led our defense uh, on the secondary, you know, with uh, with DeMar and, and Quan working together in tandem out there. That was good to see. So. Uh, the communication, the preparation, uh, real proud of those guys. I think he covered everything there. Yeah. <laughs> it was a comprehensive, comprehensive answer. Comprehensive answer. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, they've got it going on. You know, I mean, the culture, the atmosphere, everything. I'm just, as we said at the top of the show, the story of the season right now is the performance of the depth and the lack of, of drop-off yeah. in the execution on the field. I'm not saying they're perfect, but the drop-off is minimal. Listen, I – Minimal. I, forget the injuries. Mm-hmm. If it – the Miami game would have been a win with the backups if they had been able to – Not have to not fight have the to, weather, too. Yeah, if they wouldn't have had guys falling out with heat exhaustion. Yeah. They would have won that game with yeah. their backups. They're steamrolling, man. I and I, and I and it spells good things for this game against Kansas City. I still think they're going to be healthier this time in Kansas City than they were maybe this week. I don't know how bad Dawson Knox is. Don't know how bad McKenzie's concussion or how long he's going to be in the concussion protocols. Um, don't know about Jordan Poyer, whether he'll be back on the field. Wouldn't that be nice to get an all-pro safety back on the field? That would um, help. That could help you maybe shut a team out instead of giving up a whole three points. Uh I mean, goodness gracious, they, they're hitting it right now. Yeah. You got Isaiah Hodgins, who's – granted, he's a third-year player, coming in getting his first significant time on the field and get, having catches for – you know, contributing. James Cook outrunning everybody to the end zone. And Shakir, I mean, what can you say about him? He's – Really intriguing right now at this point. Oh, yeah. He's, people are like, well, give me more of that. We'll get to him in a second. But here is Josh addressing his two big touchdown connections to Gabe Davis yesterday. On that first third down, um, they doubled both of them. Uh, they both doubled Steph and Gabe. From what I saw, I saw the safety go this way. I saw two guys kind of sitting here playing the sticks a little bit, and Gabe just, uh, you know, did his thing and ran. and. Gave him a chance to go make a play, and he did. And then that second one, uh, just felt the safety a little flat-footed, um, knowing Gabe was running, and uh, just gave him a chance to go catch a ball. And he kind of tipped it straight into the safety's stomach and then pulled it out. Like, it was a, it was an unbelievable play by him. But I got so much trust and faith, you know, in 13. Um, so it was good to see him get going, you know, and getting the ball early and often. And I wouldn't say often. I mean, he only had three catches, but for 170 and two touchdowns, which is pretty crazy, it's uh, not, too, not too often like you have – those type of drives, I mean, we had a, I think we had a one-play drive, two two-play drives, and a three-play drive, which ended in touchdowns, and um, that's, that's crazy. 
It is crazy. Uh, I actually tweeted that out, Steve, because there was a point in time where the Bills, <laughs> they had a three-play drive for one minute and four seconds. Yeah. Then they had a one-play drive for 10 seconds, a two-play drive for 33 seconds, and an eight-play drive for two minutes and 37 seconds. Those were their first four touchdown drives, and then they finished it with a 57-second drive for their fifth touchdown. Yeah, they Quick. And that's that that you know, and it's not like Pittsburgh didn't have a chance. They had they dominated the time of possession, had thirty five minutes of time of possession. Well, that's the reason. The Bills were cutting through them like nothing. I mean, the third play from scrimmage goes ninety eight yard third play from scrimmage, boom, ninety eight yards. Then the Bills come out and stop I mean, it's just it was crazy. Yeah. It was crazy. And I and I, I that's not gonna happen. We obviously know that's not gonna happen every week, but Certainly, and Josh gave you an idea of what the mindset was like. He saw it at the snap. The safeties were play- thinking the Bills needed a first down. They were going to sit at the sticks, which you'll see the Bills' defense do. They'll back out until they get right to the st- first down marker, knowing just past that is where the other team's going to throw it. So he's Pittsburgh guessed that the Bills were going to do that to try and get out of their own end. Didn't ever fearing the Bills had enough moxie to say, you know what, we're going to go for the go yard. Yeah, and that's what he meant when he said. Fitzpatrick got caught flat-footed because he was going to step forward He's gonna try to try it. to jump a route. Yeah. And Gabe just took it up the field behind him. Oh, geez. Because now you got a quarterback that nope. can hit him 60 yards down the field. Think the air that... yards on that throw, 62 yards. What think about, think about what you're thinking as a player when you get caught right there and in that split second before the ball is even thrown, you know, oh, no. Yeah, oh, no. <laughs> Boom goes the dynamite. You turn, um, you turn and you run yeah. like you are, yeah, running for your life. Yeah. Uh, we talked a lot already about Khalil Shakir, so I want to give credit where it's due. Tyrell Dotson stepping in for Tremaine Edmonds yesterday. Guy with the green dot on his helmet, running the defense, making the calls, pre-snap checks, all of that. Guy leads the team in tackles and has a sack. Here's Tyrell Dotson on the performance he was able to put together as part of the defensive effort against the Steelers. I can have my own room and I and, and I can be a starter in this league. So I think that's the biggest thing I try to do every day. I can prove that I can start in this league, and I think I, I think I did that today. What, you, what was the, the key for you guys? I mean, they didn't move the ball on you up and down the field a little yeah. bit, but it seemed like red zone playmaking was what turned this game for you guys. The key was, I mean, Starting Monday, I mean, the, the game plan, just, just executing what Coach Frazier's calling and stuff like that. I mean, um, they, they, they got a couple of plays, but in the league, they're going to make plays, but you just got to make more plays. So uh, that's what we did today, held them, for, held them with three points. I wish it was a goose egg, but we get what we get. So that is Around the Locker Room, presented by Connect Life. Connect Life, your blood and organ donor network. Good performance by him, Quan Johnson. Guys stepping in and stepping up in a big way, not only on the defensive side of the ball, but on the offensive side of the ball as well. All over the roster, and it's happened throughout the first five weeks of the season. They've Outside of game one, um, they've had guys step up, like we said earlier, at every position group yeah. now. Every position group has had to come through with a depth play during one of these games, and they're 4-1, and one and, and the, the loss had nothing to do with the lack of depth. That's right. Let's go back to the phones and get your takeaways 
from yesterday's bludgeoning of the Steelers. We go to Steve in Utica. Steve, what do you got for us? You're on One Bills Live. Hey, guys. Thanks a lot for taking the call. Sure. Uh, was at the game yesterday. Great game. Go Bills. Um, you guys were talking about a lot about the time of possession. Um, I guess my, you know, the Miami game, whatever. We, we dominated that. And honestly, you know what? We'll see you in Buffalo in December. Okay. We'll see how that plan pans out. I guess firing on all cylinders. Do you guys have any concern about the space that over the last couple of years, our Achilles heel has been the uh, running game, both on offense and defense? Um, do we need to really – I was thrilled to see Cook get more active. Um, you know, I was at the Monday night game last year against the Patriots, and we, we just, you know, couldn't stop that. I know we're dinged up. Um, I guess the one-dimensional – when we're dominating, uh, we're turning teams one-dimensional. And then, you know, the Miami game, Josh throwing the ball 60 times. Um, down the stretch, do you guys think that's a concern? Do you think that's sustainable long-term? Uh, we're leaps and bounds better than, than, than what it was, but is there any, is there any concern there? Well, I'll tell you this. As long as they're scoring points, for me, no. Um, certainly you get into games like Miami, and, and they didn't score points for different reasons other than throwing it a lot. And I think in the Baltimore game, I think it went about according to plan. I, I, I don't think – yeah, it would have been nice to run the ball a little better in that game perhaps. But, I, you know, you said the, the running game has been an issue for ours and theirs. I don't think the opponents – our opponents' running game is an issue for the Bills anymore with the, if they're healthy up front. Uh, even when they're maybe a nicked a little bit up front, they've been really good against the run this year. So the the opponent's running game has not been a factor in, in any of these games, particularly even the Tennessee game. So that is off the table for me, I think. I'm not concerned about that anymore. Now the Bills, I mean, I, listen, you're never going to run it good enough. You're going to have great games, but it's a throwing league. And there's always going to be that gray area as to how much running is too much running to take you out of a big play offense and how much running is enough to make the defense play it honest and yeah. force them into some decisions that make it easier for you to throw it. So I don't know. I, as long as the, the Bills are scoring 38 points, I mean, let's, you look at, look, at their, look at where they're at right now. I mean, they've had two games, granted, that they where they got held under twenty five points, um, well, yeah, Dolphins and Ravens. the Dolphins and Ravens, they're scoring thirty plus in all the other games. I'm I'm and the Dolphins game, I'll make a case would have been up there as well. I'm not really concerned about whether they run it too much or throw it too much until they stop scoring points. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's a volume thing. I think it's a capability thing with the run game run it more effectively when you run it. And the Bills, at least through the first five weeks, it seems as though Coach Dorsey is going to use the RPO game as the run game, which means it's not always going to be a run um, because obviously you have a pass option within the scope of the play. And that's what they used to a great degree yesterday and with more success than we've seen in previous weeks, due in part to the lack of quality of the opponent. Again, don't want to dismiss – the efforts of the offensive line, I thought they played very well in the run game yesterday. Hopefully that continues against a much better Chiefs defense than the Steelers defense they saw yesterday. Let's go to Ryan and Amherst quickly here. What do you got for us, Ryan? Ryan, are you there? Ryan, you got to turn your radio down. Yeah. Okay. You're on, buddy. What do you got? Uh, what do you got for me? Uh, 
I don't know. You tell me. You called us. <laughs> You're on. What do you got? You tell me what I called about. You want to talk about Tucker? Yeah. Okay. What do you What do you think? You think Justin Tucker is a more valuable player than Lamar Jackson? Didn't say, didn't say he was a more valuable player. I said he's won more games for the Ravens than Lamar Jackson. That's what I said. He won it for him last night. How, how is that true? He made the kick. He that makes won the, the game. kicks that win the football games. But he's not the quarterback. No, he's not. So he, no, I, he's the guy. That's, that's why I agreed with you. He's not more valuable than Lamar Jackson, but he's won more games for the Ravens than Lamar Jackson. Case closed. Yeah. I mean, we're you gonna? I don't want to argue semantics. I mean, they're, they're both really I'm good football players. They play different positions, and and I you can call in and say we misspoke. Like we made like. Justin Tucker would be drafted ahead of Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen. We're not saying not that. Not saying that. What's your point, Ryan? I'm saying that you're saying Justin Tucker is the key part of the team. I, I said what not I said, and if you take what I said at face value, it is 100% true. He has won more games for the Baltimore Ravens than Lamar Jackson. Now, you can argue – Lamar makes more, more plays. You can argue that you can argue that Lamar makes more plays because he's on the field for seventy snaps. He's the and, and Justin, yeah, that's right. And the quarterback is the most valuable position, valuable position in football. Exactly. But in terms of wins, at the end of the game, Justin Tucker has won more games for the Ravens. He just ha- he's the most accurate kicker right. in NFL right. history. Ryan, you tell me how good or bad do you think Justin Tucker is. He's one of the best kickers ever. Yes. Lamar Jackson is a great quarterback. Yeah. He's the quarterback of the team. Nobody's debating that Lamar Jackson is a great quarterback. My only point was Justin Tucker, over the last two or three years, has won more games when the clock is striking zero than Lamar Jackson. Why is that? Because Lamar Jackson doesn't finish the football game. He's not as clutch as Josh Allen as a quarterback. He's a great quarterback. How many touchdown passes but he, does Justin Tucker have? What's that? How many touchdown passes okay. does See, Justin you're, Tucker you're, you're, have? I'm sorry, Ryan. I tried. You're not going to get it. You're just not going to get the point I'm making. The point I'm making is this, okay? If you want to compare apples to apples, I'll do that for you, just so you can understand, okay? Lamar Jackson is not as clutch a quarterback as Josh Allen is. When the chips are down and you have a got-to-have-it play, Lamar does not come through as often as Josh Allen. That's the point I'm trying to make. And then I threw on top of that that Justin Tucker has won more games for the Baltimore Ravens than Lamar Jackson because Justin Tucker is more clutch than Lamar Jackson. Now, I'm not saying Lamar Jackson's a bad quarterback. He's a Pro Bowl-level quarterback. He's immensely talented. He's probably one of the six or seven best quarterbacks in all of football right now. But he's not, not the tippy top of the mountain. That's where Josh Allen sits. He is clutch. He rises to the occasion when the game is on the line. Too often, Lamar Jackson has not done that, and it's why Ravens fans are biting their fingernails at the ends of football games because he is not as clutch when the game is on the line. Go watch last night's game. That's the only evidence you need to see. I think I've, I think I've made my point, okay? That's all I'm saying. Don't put words in my mouth. I said what I said. Justin Tucker has won more games for the Ravens than Lamar Jackson. Go look it up, okay? We'll take a break. Be back with more here on One Bills Live.
All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And we are waiting with bated breath, Steve, for the Monday night game tonight. Yes. We know the Raiders hate the Chiefs. Um, I'm hoping that brings a little extra physicality to the contest. I'm not wishing anybody to get hurt, but we remember how much the Bills were hanging. Even after a 41-7 win over the Titans, that was still a very physical game. They came out of that game with a handful of injuries, so many that they were supremely shorthanded against the Dolphins the next week. I'll, I'll say it. Um, you go. I'll say it again. You go back and look at this. This Chiefs Raiders rivalry is runs deep. Um, I think it might the in the current state of affairs, it might run deeper for the Raiders and Raiders than it does the Chiefs. Yeah. But listen to this. I mean, this is. You go back and look, and I, and I say this all the time because I'm an old guy. Go back and watch those games from the '60s, '70s. For the Raiders Chiefs. Oh. I'm telling folks, you talk about a different how the game has evolved. You go back and look 50 years oh, ago. Those, they tried to kill each other. It was a bar fight. Yeah, they tried to kill each other. It was a lot of extracurricular stuff. Oh my gosh. It like, was even after the play. Blatant, blatant attempts to injure each other. They hated each other. It was an absolute fist fight. Yeah. Just a, it was barely a step above it. And might be some of that tonight with a Monday night game. They'll be they'll be they'll be loaded. They were clothesline in the quarterback in the pocket. They were high low in guys. They were slamming them to the ground, forearms to the face. Yeah. I mean, it was just one thing after another, and it was at full speed. And and, and they were wearing like literally six dollar plastic helmets. <laughs> I mean, they look those little it was sus- barbaric. The little six inch, the six point canvas strapped inside helmets yeah yeah yeah. it was not good enough oh (laughs) oh they were and they there no no leg pads no hip pads shoulder pads that i i literally i wore them as a six-year-old out of a toy box right that's what they were wearing it was brutal yeah it was barbaric and they used to hate each other so that rivalry ran deep and vicious. You talk to old guys, they'd still talk about it. Oh, yeah. And it's like the old Bears-Packers rivalries. Those guys still don't like each other, and they're old guys. Playing in mud and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So this rivalry, I think, runs deep. This Monday night game tonight, Chiefs-Raiders, it goes back a long way. Now, certainly, it's it's all polished up now, you know, because the league's a little more polished. Yeah. But it's it has been a rivalry that has spanned decades and at different points in its history has been – like yeah. cringeworthy. I look forward to it. <laughs> I, we look forward to it for sure tonight. I'm, I think it'll be an entertaining game. We'll just see if the Raiders have enough to keep up with the Chiefs. But let's go back to the phones quickly to Jessica in South Carolina before the break. What do you got for us, Jessica? Okay, two things. Love hearing you guys get fired up about the Tucker Lamar thing. Great, <laughs> great stuff. Uh, second of all, the running game seemed to be better. I know you guys kind of touched on it, but I felt like last year towards the end of the year, it was more motor, and I felt like the offensive line gelled better. But I feel like they were holding something back till that last stretch in the, the regular season in the playoffs. Do you guys kind of feel like they're doing kind of the same thing this year? Oh, I'd like to. Some plays, I'd like to plays. think. I'd like think? to think so, but I don't know. What do you think, Jessica? Oh, uh, sorry, we had oh. to go because we're up against the break here. But what do you think, Steve? Uh, I think they might be saving a few in their back pocket. Yeah, in a perfect world, they've been sitting on James Cook for a month waiting for the Chiefs game. Yeah, maybe. Right? Maybe. <laughs> I don't, 
You know, Maybe. Come on, man. You're trying to win every game. You are trying to win every so game. So I, I don't know that they're like holding a guy back because of one game they want to unfurl this big secret weapon against the can. No. No. This it has been, I think, this the way this team does business is that every guy on the roster earns the opportunity that he's awarded. And James Cook, Dawson Knox, Motor Singletary, all of those guys are in the same boat, including Duke Johnson. All those guys. You know, people are clamoring that Duke Johnson might get a shot instead of Zach Moss. You know, Zach Moss comes in, falls down, and he's out for the game. You know, he never gets another carry. They, they, it's, I think that's the most blatant example of how we see if a guy makes a mistake, he sits. They're not, the running backs are only the most apparent thing to casual fans. It works the same way for the left guard, right guard, center, right tackle, left tackle, tight end, second tight end, third tight end, fifth wide receiver, second wide receiver, first kick returner, second kick. All those guys. Every guy on the roster is given opportunity based on his chance to earn it, on his ability to earn it. And I think that is what, if you think they're holding stuff back, I don't. And you're right. They did catch a little lightning in a bottle of the last six games last year with the running game. No question about it. Motor became the guy. And we attributed it to a number of things. Most notably, the offensive line finally got a chance to have the same five guys week after week after week. It didn't happen at all throughout last season. There was never more than one game in a row where the same five guys started for like until week 12 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And even then, in week 16, it it happened when Butker went down with the Achilles. So that was an issue last year. It hasn't been really an issue this year except for the Miami game. So we'll see if it starts to pay dividends. It seems to have started to maybe in the Pittsburgh game, maybe. We'll see if it continues. Break time for us here. When we return, it is what we get every single Monday after a Bills victory, the Maddie Awards. Coming your way next with our own Maddie Glab here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Into hour number three, we march on a Buffalo football victory Monday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker, and joined on set by our colleague Maddie Glab as it is time after every victory on a Monday for the Maddie Awards presented by Energy Mark, the official energy supplier to the Buffalo Bills. Welcome, Maddie. So happy to be here again two weeks in a row. Uh, How about we make it three? I just want to shout out everybody who said last week, yesterday, was going to be a trap game. What Mm. trap game? Are you kidding me? 38 to three? You thought the Bills were going to get caught in a trap game against a rookie quarterback. Do you really know this team? I don't think so. Yeah, Yeah, I was good. We, Maddie and I sit behind the, in the radio booth behind Murph and, 
and that, <laughs> I was getting up and I was I was up and down all all day. I don't know why because the game was really never in doubt. Um, He's. I'll be right back. I'll be right back. Where, where are you going? The stress. He was missed killing. a touchdown. <laughs> I did. I missed the Gabe Davis, I missed the Gabe Davis second touchdown. Uh, unbelievable way to start the game, and uh, just it never got it never got old. I mean, it just never cooled off. Yeah. All right. Well, let's start the Maddie Awards with something uh, akin to what you were just describing: the fireworks show. Yep, the fireworks show. It's going to Gabe Davis, and I thought about uh, this idea to name it the fireworks show because there were fireworks going on during our post game show last night, and Steve's oh, going. Yeah. What is that? Thinking it wasn't fireworks. I'm like, oh. don't worry. We've, we've got fireworks. There's Bills fans celebrating, and yeah. they should have been celebrating. So should have Gabe Davis and his family because uh, three catches for 171 receiving yards, two touchdowns. It was like watching a fireworks show. All of these big plays that involved Gabe Davis, we needed to see this type of game out of him after the couple of games where you could see the ankle injury was a little bit nagging for him. He looked a lot better in practice this week, so yeah, I think this is right. exactly what we needed to see at the perfect time as we lead into the Kansas City Chiefs week. Week. Uh, the way that he ripped the ball out of Minka Fitzpatrick's hands in the end zone was the icing on top to his wonderful day. Uh, <laughs> the strength that you have to have to be able to rip yeah. a ball out of a, a player like Minka Fitzpatrick's hands, especially after he was targeted, which turned into an interception by Levi Wallace in the end zone. Yeah. And the next play that, that Gabe gets targeted on, next big play, he says, you know what, nope, this is not going to result in what just happened. I'm going to rip this ball away. It's going to be a touchdown. Uh, so kudos to Gabe Davis, the true fireworks show yesterday, watching him and Josh Allen connect on some of those really big plays that helped the Bills score a whole lot of points. And, and Absolutely. And I, one of the other things I knew was going to happen today, somehow, some way, Josh Allen was going to be included in these because that guy was lighting it up. Josh Allen is our Rocket Man. He gets our go. Rocket Man Award. I mean, he was the rocket launching the fireworks, uh, dialing up the deep ball time and time again and succeeding on it, too. The Steelers' defense, now I know they were injured, but going into this game, really good against the deep ball on defense. They led the NFL, forcing three interceptions on deep balls, had only allowed 98 uh, deep passing yards, and <laughs> Josh Allen does what Josh Allen does, and he passed all over this Steelers defense with the deep ball. Uh, Josh Allen going into this game led the NFL 149.3 passer rating on deep ball. I'm sure that goes up after this game. I mean, 424 passing yards, a new club record in regulation. He impresses people in so many different ways. I love seeing Buffalo go to the deep ball in this one, showing that they can win in a lot of different ways. You're going to have to use a lot of different ways to win against the Kansas City Chiefs, so it was nice to see them succeed on something like this. And I love the first drive of the game. They're backed up on a third and long at their own two-yard line and Josh Allen finds Gabe Davis for a 98 yard score so impressive such a momentum giver to this game he's so important to this team and how they're able to win week in week week out all right we're getting to the time of the year where uh, everybody's furnaces are kicking on the thermostats <laughs> getting flipped over from AC to heat and uh, you've got the heating up award here. 
Heating up, it's got to go to the depth and the rookies who played in yesterday's game. Another game that the Buffalo Bills were banged up for, so you had to call on some of the rookies. Khalil Shakir got involved in things. Quentin Morris got involved in things. Not a rookie, but a younger player. Isaiah Isaiah Hodgins, Kair Elam, uh, James Cook. So it was really nice to see all of these guys step up. Khalil Shakir had a great game. He had some really tough catches that he made, that uh, touchdown that he had. He had had to kind of come back to the ball and catch it. Not easy to do when a defender is right on your hip. Um, also caught a great pass in some traffic. I mean, Kair Elam was picked on all day, and he was able to get an interception. Nice to see him come back in that way. Uh, Quinton Morris, Isaiah Hodgins, and Khalil Shakir combined for 10 receptions for 155 receiving yards. I don't think you could have uh, guessed that that was going to happen in yesterday's game. Um, but you need the depth now, of course because of the injuries and it's going to pay off later if this team can get healthy because you're just going to have more options toward the end of the season right. if these guys are able to get valuable reps and snaps now which is what is happening it was nice to see James Cook get that first rushing touchdown uh, dust off some of those you know jitters whatever it is in your rookie season um they're going to need him going forward. Damar Hamlin, Jaquan Johnson, a big effort out of this depth. They've had to rely on the depth uh, through the first five games of the season. Hopefully that's not the case in the middle to the end of the season, but it's nice that you can rotate guys in and out. Yeah, and they'll feel more comfortable putting in late in the season. There will be no angst about what's going to happen if they do have to make yeah, some substitutions no doubt then. because of it. Yeah, and on this one, uh, a, a phrase we've been hearing a lot of lately, the don't blink award. Don't blink is going to our second half defense. Could this be the new motto for the team, don't blink? Uh, it's something that Von Miller said quite a bit when he was mic'd up. Uh, it's a saying that I think has, has gone across the locker room because you have Jordan Poyer saying it. You have Sean McDermott also saying it as well. And the Buffalo Bills defense did not blink in that second half because they didn't allow any points. And through the first five games of the season, they've just allowed seven points in the second half. Zero points in in the third quarter so far. That is insane. It's like this defense asks opposing offenses in the first half, show us what you got. Put it out there because we're going to go into the locker room and we're going to make adjustments to what you're doing and then we're not going to allow any points in the second half of things. So impressive by the defense and Leslie Frazier, what they're able to do um, game in, game out, how they can really change their identity week to week. Bill's lead the league in point differential by a wide margin already. They're at plus 91. The next closest teams are Philly and San Fran at plus 47. Whew. So almost double already after five weeks. It's pretty crazy. Right. All right, hats off award. Got to give hats off to Sean McDermott. I mean, what he has done since he's came in here in 2017. He now passes Marv Levy, which is a big name for Bills Mafia and for people who have followed this team for many years. Uh, passes Marv for win percentage in the regular season. He's got over 50 wins now. Um, what he's done to rebuild when he got here to the playoff wins, to the consistency that he's seen out of this team, uh, to the way that this team is winning games this season. So hats off to Sean McDermott. A lot of work has been done since 2017, and, and it's definitely paying off got now. Nice, right, got a nice yeah. game ball in the locker Absolutely. room yesterday from Stephon Diggs <laughs> for that. Absolutely. Now, one last one for Bills fans. And, we, you know, Bills Mafia doesn't forget their friends. The Cheerio Award. 
Cheerio goes to Brian Dayball of the New York Giants. It's been so fun to watch this Giants team and see see what they've done to start the season. It's their best start since 2009, I believe. They beat the Green Bay Packers in London. Dayball's walking off the field, arms everywhere. He's amped up, and you got to feel good for him and what he's been able to do. He's getting the best out of his players using Saquon Barkley in ways using Daniel Jones in ways that that Daniel Jones hasn't been able to do yet, things that he hasn't been able to do the, do yet. They're a really fun team to watch. They play the Ravens next, so they've got yeah. a tough opponent again next week. But to see them beat the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers in London, so awesome. I like watching yeah. Joe Shane <clears throat> rub his bald head like a lucky <laughs> like a lucky charm on the way off the field there. That's yeah. Joe Shane in the suit, yes. rubbing yeah. him right on his <laughs> right. <laughs> And, I love and, that. And his former Bill assistant, too, is Laura Young right there, yeah. too. Oh, she's giving him a look like, okay, bro, let you know, like, <laughs> Calm what are you it doing? Down. We, got, we got 12 more of these. Calm yeah. it down. Yeah, so that's uh, it's a good group. And, it, yeah, hats off to Dave. He's a Buffalo guy, grew up here and uh, doing well. I yeah, like as we knew he would. We knew he would. Pretty cool. Maddie, we're going to ask you to stay here. Yeah, and we're going to jump on some phone calls. So we'll go back to the phones at 803-0550, where we're asking you – for your greatest takeaways from yesterday's bludgeoning of the Steelers. And next up is Trevor in Cheektowaga. What do you got for us, Trevor? Oh, Trevor, stop listening to your radio. you got to listen to the phone, buddy. You're on. All right, I'm going I'm to put him on hold here. Uh, we'll get back to you, Trevor. Sit tight. And we'll go to Lewis in Rochester next. Lewis, are you there? Guys, I'm ready. There I'm he is. Ready. Hey, Lewis. By the way, hey, guys, I'm ready to talk. I'd just like to give a shout-out to your listeners. Be ready. When they put you on, be ready, because it's an honor being on your show. And uh, I'd also like to give Maddie – it's her name's Maddie, right? Yes, it's Maddie, correct. I, I'd like to give Maddie an award. Oh, you're getting – okay. <laughs> she get, brings a lot of enthusiasm and fun to your show. I mean, not that you don't already have it, but she she adds nicely to the show. Well, that's, that's like, very nice of you to say. He's giving you Let a lightning award for adding As far as my opinion, oh, as far thanks. as running, okay, everybody's worried about running. All right, think of the Bills as Muhammad Ali in boxing. How many times did he go to the body? Honestly, I checked it out, hardly ever, okay? He was a headhunter. He had great, you know, jabs. He had great hooks. He didn't need to go to the body, okay? And that's the way the Bills are right now. They don't, they don't need to have a running game. If they want to have a running game, they can toss it out to the running backs. That's fine. But in the most part, uh, Josh is Muhammad Ali. He's going to throw those bombs. He's going to throw those punches. So that's my opinion. All right. All right? <laughs> Just so you know, I, I, I wouldn't worry about the running game. They don't need the running game. They really don't. All right. I appreciate it. Yep. Yep. You know, I'm with you. I'm, have to grind it out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm t- kind of with you there, um, Lewis. And he was like, he doesn't even think they need the yeah, running game. Says, Don't worry about the running game. He thinks he, they're a knockout, punched kind of team. We're including Maddie because she can't hear the callers. Yeah. Right, we can't. So we're no just trying to fill her right in. now. So they're filling me in. We're, Thanks, I, guys. I don't think we're. I don't think any of us are saying the Bills have to run it more. I just think, and Coach McDermott kind of echoes this sentiment. He just wants to be able to turn to the running game in a game where they might need it, either to put a game away, four-minute drill kind of thing, or if for some reason the passing game's out of sync in a given day, he wants to be able to have confidence in turning to it, knowing it can produce for him. I don't think for a second they believe they should be a 50-50 run-pass team. 
I think you're going to need the run game in certain games. Uh, there is going to be a defense who does a good job at shutting shutting down the pass, or you're going to need to go to it at the end of the game to run the clock out. The nice thing yesterday was all the running backs averaged over or at least seven yards a carry. Now, Zach Moss only had that one attempt for seven yards, but everybody went over seven yards a carry, which is a really good number. They didn't have several attempts by any means. Josh Allen was right up there. Um, in terms of the numbers that he put up in rushing yards. I know he's led the team uh, through, I think, almost every single game in rushing yards besides one. Uh, So it would be nice to see some of the running backs get in there with the numbers. Against the Chiefs, they're definitely a better run defense than they are a pass defense. Yeah, I would agree. I'm not into the run pass. It doesn't matter to me, and I said this, made this point earlier. All I care about is him scoring points. If they score 35, 40 points or whatever it is in the game. Nobody cares how many Nobody cares how you do it. They don't care if you you never throw it or they don't care if you ever run it. If you're scoring points and you're efficient on your offense, you're getting first down, first down, first down, touchdown. Nobody cares how you do it. So that's all I care about. If they if they struggle to score points – they better figure. They got to figure that out, and whether it's to run a pass or run more, or pass more, it doesn't matter. They got to yeah. find a way to do that. All right, second shot for Trevor in Cheektowaga. Trevor, are you with us? Hi. Oh, absolutely. Thank you, gentlemen. How are you doing? Good. What do you got for us? I have a question. When somebody goes out of bounds, the clock stops. Is that correct? That's right. Why did I see the clock running? After a half dozen times, the whole it's game. Not, yeah, it's the not after every stops. play. The clock will run. The final two minutes, it stops mm-hmm. when you go out of bounds. No, I mean the entire game. I mean, yeah, okay, here's not, what happens. Not when the they entire set, game. When they down the ball, the, the, clock, the clock stops until they down the ball yeah. in the middle of the field, and then it starts again. Okay, all right. And a uh, couple of opinions. Uh, the offensive line. Pats to get a lot of respect yesterday. That was great. And, Steve, you should be in the Hall of Fame. And I'm going for you. Thanks. And I that's appreciate all you it. Have to say. All right. Thanks, thanks Trevor. Thanks, Trevor. Um, <laughs> Trevor may still be partying from yesterday. Tar- Trevor's. <laughs> he, yeah. was, he, was, he was pretty fired up. Um, yeah. I mean, I got to look. Th- I, I thought only in college football the clock stops every time there's a first down. Until the ball's reset, and every time the ball goes out of bounds, but that is not the case in the NFL, which is why NFL games don't last as long. If the ball goes out of bounds, the clock stops. If the ball goes out of bounds, the clock stops. Um, That's it. It does. It doesn't in the NFL. It doesn't. And it's not until it down. They what it is? They don't start the play clock until the official. I'm not even sure exactly now. but, yeah, that's how you stop the clock. If, right. if so Isaiah the, McKenzie gets out of bounds in Miami, they have a chance to kick the field goal. He didn't. Yeah. So they didn't. So, yeah, it, the, every time you go out of bounds, the clock stops until the ball snapped again. Um, the play clock, however, there are different ramifications of whether it's a 40-second play clock or a 25-second play clock. All of that stuff's different. Um, that, there you have it. But, yeah, you get, that's how you stop the clock. You run out of bounds, and the clock will stop. There you go. To Bob in Colorado next. What do you got for us, Bob? You're on. Oh, you're on. There you are, Bob. You're on One Bills Live. Gentlemen, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I'm a transplanted Buffalonian out here in Colorado. I do radio, and uh, I listen to you guys every day. You do a great job. So, with that point aside, here's my question: uh, The Bills' defense. 
seems to have been playing very well lately. Jordan Poyer was injured in training camp. He's missed a couple of games. Do you think the Bills' defense is making a case to the brass not to pay Jordan Poyer? I think it's a, it's a, <clears throat> it's a valid point. Um, and I've, I've made this point as well. Jordan Poyer's early 30s, playing well, all pro safety. Um, last year, if it's the last year of his deal – Yes. So right now. Yeah. So yeah, you're ma- it's it's going to be a tough decision particularly if he can't get on the field and stay there consistently. Now, even in the first month of the season, he has played outstanding football. He's carried last season over into this one where he was all pro last year. Remember he was all pro last year not pro bowl, which okay. Um so he's playing at a high level. But Jaquan Johnson and DeMar Hamlin are playing at a high level as well. Now, they, they're getting the benefit of an outstanding defensive front that Poyer's only had a month of this year. Uh, last year was good, but it's not as good as this year. Um, that's helping them. And so you can make a point to the Bills brass, I would think, of saying, listen, we're pretty good whether you're in there or not. We're going to spend the money somewhere else kind of thing. I don't know that it's it's not it's never a guarantee, but I it's not and, and it isn't in this case for me that Jordan Poirier will be a Buffalo Bill next year because he doesn't have a contract and this team's pretty good and they're showing they're pretty good with the depth that they have, no matter who's in there. Right. And I know it's sacrilege to think that because we all we all love the guy. I do. I well, think everybody, yeah. all Bills fans love the guy, but it's a business. Right. He was a. But I think the reason. Fans have a problem with it, Maddie, is because they see him as a foundational piece of what has made the Bills what they are today. But in this league, like as much as we hate to say it, all good things yeah. have to come to an end. Yeah, all, we may be mm-hmm. out of control too. They may sign him to an extension this afternoon, for well, all we know. Yeah, but I, I, it's not done until it's done. Yeah, he's definitely important to the defense. I mean, there's no Micah Hyde right now. What does this defense look like next year with Micah Hyde? If Jordan Poyer was or was not in it, you also have to factor Tredavious White into things. I know Tredavious is not a safety, but getting him back as a part of the secondary probably helps that group as a whole, uh, whether or whether or not uh, Jordan Poyer is a part of that group. And what we say when we say business Look at the players over the history of Brandon Bean's existence as general manager in Buffalo and the players that he has extended to long-term contract extensions. He extends Tredavious White off of his first rookie contract. He extends Deion Dawkins. He extends Matt Milano. He extends Josh Allen. Okay? You've got more players. Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox just got extended last month. So you go down the list and next offseason, there are going to be more players like that who are entering the prime of their careers. Tremaine Edmonds, Ed Oliver. What do you do with Devin Singletary? Mm-hmm. Do you re-sign running backs to extensions? Most people say you don't because the law of diminishing returns starts to kick in at age 28. Gabe Davis. Gabe, Gabe Davis, Davis is two years soon. removed from needing a new contract because they'll have another year after this. But, yeah, that's a guy you got to start thinking about, too. You cannot pay everybody on your roster, and more often than not, you have a longer you have a longer return on investment with the younger players than you do the older players. It's just simple NFL economics, and that's that's the rub here, because if Jordan Poirier was twenty seven 
he would have already had an extension. I don't even think it's a question. Yeah, probably the problem is he's 31. And where does the drop-off happen at the safety position? If we don't think that the Bills have done the analytics on that, we're all kidding ourselves. They've done it. And I think that's why it's a precarious situation here in terms of, you know, Jordan and his contract situation. It's unfortunate, but it's a necessary evil of mm-hmm. staying perennially competitive. Yeah, there's a lot the of NFL. mouths to feed, and you got to figure out what's, what's at the top of that list and, and what gets cut, unfortunately. Can't feed them all. That's right. All right, Maddie, thanks for joining us here for the Maddie Awards and a little bonus time. We have to take a break, though, because coming up next is Bill's radio color analyst Eric Wood with his thoughts from the booth on yesterday's big win over the Steelers. He joins us next here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. Welcome back. The BFLO Store Legend of the Game Center, Eric Wood. Bills Mafia! Let's go, Buffalo. Let's go, Buffalo. Where else would you rather be than right here, right now? Let's go. That's about as close as you can get to being a rock star with an audience, right? I mean, that's unbelievable. Legend of the game yesterday. And I think he's going to be asked back for a return appearance after the outcome of that game. 38-3. to Holy mackerel. Eric Wood, Bill's radio color analyst, who had to do the 100-yard dash up the stairs back to the radio booth before kickoff. Did you make it? I did. Um, now, I saw the fumbled snap at the beginning. I was watching the scoreboard, and I got up there. The first play I got up there for was the 98-yard touchdown to Gabe Davis. <laughs> And I talked to Josh and like, I don't want to take all the credit, but he said like, literally that was all on you. You got us going for that moment. And, you know, Taiwan set it up perfectly to get the type of the longest play in Bill's history right after (laughs) I led the charge. So it it was a perfect storm. Yeah, it was all, yeah, all the, it was a, uh, a perfect confluence of events that led to a 98 yard touchdown pass your your con- contribution won't be overlooked that that's awesome <laughs> right thanks guys yeah the perfect yeah. what do you think <laughs> i mean for me and i told this to and bills fans feel it more than you really articulate players feel it too you get a quick touchdown like that particularly a touchdown of that nature it's an enormous stress relief isn't it i mean that's a great not only do you get all the angst and the like wow i hope we really play well today it also fires you up to move forward. So it's really a two-edged sword, both edges cutting your way. It's the relief of getting off to a fast start, putting them in a hole, and then also giving you, getting you fired up to move ahead and really put it to them. Yeah, you're exactly right, Stephen. This Steelers organization, they're in a period of transition. They're moving from Roethlisberger um, onto Kenny Pickett or whoever's going to lead that organization at the quarterback position. But they're in a period of transition right now. They're sitting at one and four. This organization with the Steelers is not used to being in that position. But that being said, they're a 14-point underdog at Buffalo, and it's the largest underdog they've been in team history. But then 
all you're thinking if, is if you're the Bills and, and as we cover the team is as long as something crazy doesn't happen, similar to the blocked punt for a touchdown last year, as long as something crazy doesn't happen, then the Bills are going to get away here likely with an easy victory. And then you muff the opening uh, kickoff. It's windy. But then on the third play of the game, you throw a strike for 98 yards, put up seven points, and really the Bills are off to the races after that. What what I know you've talked about this before, Eric, the RPO game that Coach Dorsey has kind of leaned on to gain traction in the run game. It it seemed to be the focal point of the run game again yesterday for long stretches, and it yielded results. Maybe the score on the board lent itself to giving it more success, and those DBs had to suddenly respect getting the ball thrown over their head pretty early on in that game. Throw all that into the pot together for me, Eric, and tell me where the run game goes from here The in light of how it's it's leaned on the RPO side of the ledger. Yeah, I mean, Josh Allen likes operating out of the shotgun. That's evident. Now, they will run under center plays. They're not exclusively shotgun, but uh, they, this Bills offense has been its most effective in the shotgun. That being said, it can be difficult to run the ball of the shotgun. Generally, it's predictive which way you're going to go. You're going across the formation. That being said, in the last five or six games of the season last year, the Bills were finally able to find some rhythm in the run game, and you thought, okay, maybe to start this season, they would pick right back up with Ken Dorsey there, with Aaron Cromer as the new offensive line coach, some influence on the run game. It just hasn't been there. And yes, the you know the stats will tell you that the Bills rush for 4.5 yards per carry heading into the Steelers game, but Josh Allen's their leading rusher. A lot of those are scrambles, and that's why it's skewed. The running backs aren't running the ball effectively. Now, yesterday they did, and that's with a 10-plus yard run called back because of a holding penalty early in the game that Devin Singletary had, but he runs the ball for seven yards a carry yesterday, and you know, the Bills would be satisfied with seven uh, or five even, but they rushed the ball for seven yards of carry yesterday with Singletary and James Cook looked great yesterday as well. That being said, I think the identity of this Bills offense and their run game will be shotgun runs and not necessarily, you don't want to, you don't want to have Josh Allen almost even have the option of pulling it and reading it because you, you want to take less hits on him. And so it'll be those pin and pull RPO games and the pin and pull uh, runs are great for the RPOs for this reason. If Josh Allen's going to, if you get a pressure look, if it's a bad look, Josh has got to get rid of the ball on a run play, a designed run that has the option of a pass on it before the offensive line gets one yard down the field. If everyone is power blocking and you're double teaming right off the snap, it becomes a very fast decision for Josh. When you have the RPO, when you have the pin and pull scheme, those take longer. So the guys pinning are not going down the field. The guys pulling are, are even behind the line of scrimmage. So it becomes this incredible concept to run with, with the RPOs. And um, you guys know one of my biggest critiques is when people call just traditional play action RPOs. You know, right. That's just a, a play action pass. Yesterday, the Bills were running a number of RPOs against the Steelers. And, and really, if it was a bad look, Josh was making very easy completions to the outside, which is essentially an extension of the run game that we've heard him talk about. What did you think of the rookies and the depth players on the roster coming through in such a big way? And I know the Steelers, you know, they're not, you know, they're, they're having a down year and you had a rookie quarterback, all of the stuff that, that you can discount the effort with. Still, you got to be impressed with the youth and the depth on the roster that played so well. Yeah, it looks like another hit of a draft class. And, you know, we 
when you can get value like Christian Benford in the sixth round, who wasn't even able to play yesterday, but then he ends up starting at cornerback for you to start the year and playing at a high level. That's absolutely remarkable. Um, and almost unheard of to have a rookie step in at the cornerback position like that. But then you have Kyrie Elam, your first rounder, records his first interception of his career yesterday. And you have Khalil Shakir, you have James Cook get his first touchdown of his career. Um, Benford gets a bunch of snaps. Spectre gets snaps at the end of the game. That's valuable experience. And a lot of guys contributing in a big way as rookies yesterday, even before the game got out of hand. And Man, I just I've really liked what I've seen about this rookie class uh, with the early signs in this season, just five games in. But when you think about the impact that Elam and Benford have had and then Cleo Shakir, who's going to be our primary punt returner. But, you know, in the last two weeks, has had great games catching the football as well. James Cook seems to be coming along. I love that touchdown run he had yesterday. He just seemed more confident, like he put his foot in the ground and hit the hole. And when you're beating a team as bad as you are yesterday, you can get some run. And hopefully, I just want to see James Cooks take some confidence uh, from that moment yesterday that he belongs in this league. Yes, you fumbled your first carry in the NFL, and we lost the football. Oh, well. So have a lot of great running backs. So is Christian McCaffrey. Get over it. And, and I thought yesterday he looked great. Yeah, I mean, you watch him shoot through that hole, Eric. You quickly realize – this is the missing element that we haven't seen yes. in the run game the last few years. And it's no knock on Singletary or Moss. They're different kinds of backs. But to have that element in your backfield, just maybe speak to how that can put stress on a defense that's also terrified of getting a ball thrown over their head. Well, you look at the Miami Dolphins offense when the Bills are going against them. Speed kills in the NFL, even in a game where everybody's fast and in a league where everybody's fast, that top-end speed kills. And when you talk about bringing James Cook on the field and what the Bills will do in 21 personnel, they'll line up in five wides. Well, now you have to honor James Cook as a very fast receiver out there. You're not worried about Devin Singletary taking the top off your defense. He's a He's been very productive in the past game this year, but he's not going to take the top of the defense. James Cook can. James Cook can be an explosive running back for this offense. And when you look at where the Bills tried to address it in free agency and then finally did in the draft with James Cook, they want a fast receiving running back. And they figured as an offense, that's kind of the one missing piece. You know, you have high end receivers. You have a, a franchise left tackle in Deion Dawkins. You have the top five quarterback in the league. What's that one missing piece? And it was explosive running back that can either A, take the top off the defense or be a big time threat. And James Cook looks like it yes looked like it yesterday. Now we'll see how the rest of the season season shakes out. But yesterday's a game where he can he can draw some confidence from that. Yeah. Give us an idea. I know you're still in town. You didn't you didn't bolt for Louisville right away. You've got a little event tonight. Tell us about it. Yeah, so uh, I'm recording this from the Harbor Center downtown and uh, just had an incredible lunch over at Sonny Reds. And uh, these, these people at Buffalo, they're, they're so incredibly generous. The event tonight, Flights and Bites, uh, benefiting the Evan Wood Fund, is sold out. So I apologize if you haven't been able to, if you didn't get a ticket, and uh, hopefully you can make it there next year. But um, we're going to have a lot of fun. We have Chris Farrar and the Common Good. They came up from Nashville, Tennessee. They have residency at Justin Timberlake's Bar down in Nashville. So they're an incredible band. We'll have a great time raising money uh, for a great cause tonight. And uh, it, it's always a ton of fun. COVID kept some of the players out of there the last couple of years. Yeah. When I started this, when I was playing in the NFL and Tuesdays was our day off. So if we wanted to 
go out and stay up past maybe 930. Uh, Monday night would be a great night to do it. So hopefully we can get some guys from the team to show up and support as well. All right, Eric, thanks for the time as always, and good luck with the event tonight. Thanks, man. Thank you, guys. All right, that's Eric Wood, Bills Radio Network color analyst, with his thoughts on yesterday's beatdown of the Steelers by a final of 38-3. to Steve and I take a break here, but we come back and discuss with you the first head coach to meet the axe in the NFL. We'll tell you who it was next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Vision to Victory, presented by Atwal Eye Care, the official eye care provider of the Buffalo Bills. We've talked enough about the explosive offense, Steve. The defensive effort was just as good, and I know we've talked about this at times during the season. Um, third down defense, Steelers 5 of 15 on conversions. Fourth down defense, Steelers 0 for 3 on fourth down conversions. They had four turnover, three turnovers on downs yesterday. And this one's probably the most important. The Steelers 0 for 4 in the red zone. Yeah, they, the Bills could, the Bills almost sh- shut them out yesterday. Yeah. And they did have a missed field goal. Two. Two missed field goals. Yeah, Boswell um, had a rough day. So there's that as well. But, you know, holding the team, holding teams shut, uh, scoreless and shutting them out in the second half of all these games, is ah, that's a problem. It was funny because – in the press box yesterday, we're all acutely aware of the fact that they haven't given up any points in the third quarter, and Boswell's lining up for a relatively makeable field goal with the wind at his back. Last play of the third quarter. So we're all like, oh, oh, is it going to end? And then he missed it, and I was like, it's still a goose egg in the third quarter for the defense. (laughs) That's amazing. Uh, (laughs) You think about it, I don't know. I don't know if there's that much in it, because there's certainly going to there's going to be teams that score in the second half of these games against these guys, and, and you know, you know, they will all write the obligatory obituary to a nice streak that they had going. The thing that I was most concerned with, as you might imagine, was the fact that it didn't look like they were going to have to really punt. In fact, the fans were bitter. Yeah. It's a fourth twice, right? It's a they were bitter. The first punt, he comes. It's like a fourth and one, just on the Bills' side of the fifty. And the fans are going, what are you doing? Think about this, Steve. What are you giving up? Think about this, because you and I have been here long enough. The Bills, one of the Bills' most popular players during the playoff drought was a punter by the name of Brian Mormon. (laughs) Now, things are so good that maybe the least popular player is Sam Sam Martin, Martin. who actually gets booed when he comes out to punt the football. (laughs) That's where we are now. I mean, it's not great for Sam Martin, but my God, is it glorious for the rest of us. And it's better here. Uh, <laughs> first head coach has been fired in the NFL. It is Matt Rule, head, former head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Defensive coordinator Phil Snow also fired. There could be some more staff changes. Steve Wilkes is the interim head coach. He was the coach in Arizona for a year before he got bounced for Cliff Kingsbury. Right. That's um, a quick hook. Yeah, well, it's been a three-year hook it's been rough it's been three years he's a he's you know one and four start he won 11 and he went 11 and 27 over his three years there 
had won one game here. And it's, yeah, it was time. New ownership gave him plenty of time to find it. Um, he just couldn't do it. Great leader. They just couldn't put it together in Carolina. Yeah, especially at the quarterback position. Oof. That's it for us on a Buffalo football victory Monday. Join us tomorrow at 1, where among the other things we'll have, Hall of Famer Thurman Thomas joining us. We'll see you tomorrow.